I'm going to say it, man. This is the Jimmy G team going forward for years to come. This is the team's quarterback, and Niner fans just got to get with it. Jimmy G is your guy. You wasted all those draft picks for Trey Lance. Uh-uh. This guy ran for two rushing touchdowns. How many does Trey Lance have? Just one. Niner fans, you got your quarterback. And his name, Jim Garoppolo, who turns 30 today. So give him a birthday present and let him your starting quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Everyone these days has an opinion. Butthole, a podcast. And all of them stay. Except for this one. Welcome to Just Your Opinion, Man, with Stephen Lankford and Derek Papa. Stephen, what's going on, my man? What is happening? Oh, a whole hell of a lot. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Just Your Opinion, man. And uh, we like to keep this a goofy show and have fun and talk about sports and whatnot. And uh, unfortunately, we got to start this off with some extremely sad news. And it doesn't get any easier for the Las Vegas Raiders this season. Is this because because they released Nathan Peterman? We'll get to that in a little bit. You mean John Gruden's favorite player? He's gone. Yeah, he's gone. And I think I know why, but we'll talk about that a little later. Let's just focus on what happened today. Very sad news, and, you know, there's bigger life and bigger things than football. But um, this morning, very early in the morning, you could say late at night, I think it was 3 a.m. around that time in Las Vegas, uh, Henry Ruggs was driving, and he was intoxicated. And he has killed someone while driving his car. He has been charged with DUI. And the Raiders are coming off their bye. They've had to deal with the whole mess of John Gruden. They've been playing well. And unfortunately, now they have to deal with this. The bigger thing, obviously, is someone lost their life. So, um, Stephen, I leave it to you, sir, and I'll chime in a little bit. But your thoughts on uh, what went on today, this morning, with Henry Ruggs? Well, I mean, shock. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't really. I, I was thinking about this uh, really ever since it happened, and I knew we were going to be doing this podcast. I've been wondering how to word it, and I, I just, I mean, what what more is there to say really than what's given to you right there? I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's just sad, you know, and 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 sad for the the person involved, and um, sad for the fact that. Henry Ruggs decided on a Monday morning heading into a Tuesday that, you know, he was going to go out the night before and decide to drive his car at the time. And just all the circumstances, I mean, everything is just, it's just all sad. And then seeing this guy who's 22 years old, it's kind of hard really to find sympathy for him, knowing there's a victim involved in this entire thing. Um, and I just, I, I feel, I do feel bad for him and the fact that, you know, his NFL career probably over. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's coming back. I don't think he's coming back. Uh, and we still have yet to see what else is going to happen, but I mean, it's just, it's just really sad, man. That's, that's all I could say about it, especially with the way that he's been coming on this season. And it seems like he was trying to, he was starting to find his identity and starting to become a leader of the team. And now especially with everything that's happened with John Gruden too, these past, these past few weeks. I mean, you go from 
losing your head coach, going 2-0 without that head coach, thinking you're maybe turning a new page, and now all of a sudden the guy who's helping turn that new page is just no longer going to be there anymore. So I just overall, man, I, I don't really know any other word to, to describe it, but besides sad, what was uh, what was your reaction when you when you saw everything? Well, you texted me this morning uh, talking about the rumors that were going around on Twitter, and my initial reaction was, why do people have to spread rumors that they don't know if it's real or not? And it turned out to be very real, and TMZ had the report, and yeah. it's just sad. Uh, the, you know, someone lost their life, and uh, it, that just bothers me that, you know, innocent lives, uh, you know, you think that you could drive at any moment. We all say, like, I'm going to jump in the car, and you never know if, like, you're ever going to come back or not. Just you never know what other people are doing on the road, and it's just terrible. Um, as far as Henry Ruggs, uh, I do feel sad for him in that he didn't mean to kill anybody, but it was just a dumb, dumb decision. And uh, his career may be over before it even really began. He, he shined last season. Obviously, the miracle touchdown against the Jets is where he came on. This season, he's making huge plays, probably their best deep threat they've had in a long time. And his Raider career, I don't know about his NFL career, but his Raider career may be over. Um, I don't see him playing another down this season, and it just sucks. And the uh, Raiders have had to deal with so much crap, whether it was Mark Bedane resigning in the offseason. They have a lot of financial issues. John Gruden, obviously, and now one of their best players that are making them you know, a 5-2 and two team uh, is probably not going to be there going forward. So. I, I try to think of other comparisons to this. Uh, people reminded me today of Dante Stallworth. He was involved in a um, uh, manslaughter. He killed somebody driving a car, and he was, uh, I don't know what his alcohol level was, but he was impaired. And he served, I want to say, 30 days in jail. That's it. And um, he was suspended a full season and then returned to play for Washington. Or maybe the Browns, whatever it was. I don't know. You know, we're living in a new new day and age that happened in 2013. Um, and obviously, you know, laws the end of the day, everywhere. yeah, laws are different everywhere. And Henry Ruggs killed somebody, and um, it's just sad. It's terribly sad. I've seen anywhere where he could get you know two to twenty years in prison for this. So. I don't really know what to make of it. Obviously, football takes a backseat to when you act when you know death is involved, but it's just terrible. It's terrible on so many accounts. Well, football does take a backseat until a couple of hours later, and you realize yeah. that after the news breaks that there is a trade deadline and business mm -hmm. has to be done. And the Raiders, you know, they didn't um, decide to do any business. They didn't make any trades. Well, I mean, it's not just the Raiders. Nobody made any trades. My God. Yeah. What what a boring trade deadline day. Like what I saw, the, I saw the tweet of every trade. It's like, there's four of them that happened in total or something like that. I was like, yeah. Like, there's nothing going on with this, but, um, and I, and I do wonder, you know, just with athletes, teams, all of these guys who just as much as they have the ability to buy these nice cars or, um, have these luxuries, why don't they, you know, figure out a way to have the luxury of getting a driver, especially if you're going to be playing in Vegas? I mean, I know uh, I'm not necessarily going to blame the, being in the city of Vegas for this because I think temptation is 
is everywhere. I mean, maybe, maybe more so in Vegas, but you know, I, I don't really subscribe to that whole thing about how, well, if the Raiders didn't have a team in Vegas, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, nah, if you're an athlete on, if you're an athlete and you're making, you know, six figures, seven figures, you'll find a way to entertain yourself. So I don't really subscribe to that one, but it's just, I don't know how they aren't set themselves. I don't know how they don't set themselves up with getting transportation. I, I don't know. I it's, Everything is just so backwards about this. And and that's also the thing you, you mentioned earlier, but um, you know, it's not like he woke up that day. It's not like he woke up on, on Monday and said, Hey, yeah, I'm going to go out with my friends and I'm going to get yeah. drunk or whatever it is and, and, and impair myself from driving and then accidentally kill somebody. Like that's not what he planned to do, but the decision-making just was, was not good on his part. And I think it's just a, lesson to really everybody it's just if you if you go out figure out a way to get yourself a ride because even though it may seem like a lot of money you know could save you could yeah. save someone else it's brutal man it's just brutal yeah i as i've gotten older and uh you know you have mutual friends that uh, have been, you know, down their road with DUIs and whatnot. You just learn, you know, it, it it's not a big deal just to call a cab or, you know, Lyft or Uber these days. And, you know, I, that's why I miss Bart. Uh, people, you know, shit on in the Bay Area. But uh, if you're drinking and you need to, you know, get home, that's the best thing to do. So, um, you know, I, I just feel bad, obviously, for the person that lost their lives the most. I feel bad for Henry Ruggs. Uh, I don't know what the future will hold for him. As far as the Raiders, if you know, we know, talk about football and what this means now. Yeah. Um, the offense. I think, enough, I think enough time has passed now yeah. where that initial shock is kind of wore off and you realize, okay, this is going to happen to that specific individual. And you also know that he got away. I don't know if if he got away unscathed. I was seeing a bunch of different stuff about injuries, but – when you look at those pictures, man, you just yeah. wonder, like, how does anybody even walk away from that sort of thing? And unfortunately, someone didn't. Yeah. Well, he's lucky to be alive himself. Anytime you drive impaired and you have an accident, you're lucky to be alive. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, as far as the Raiders, uh, they're five and two. And <laughs> everyone else in the division is uh, not playing their best football right now. The Chargers laid an egg two weeks in a row, not including the bye week, but uh, – it was a bad loss to the Patriots. The Broncos trade away their best player in Von Miller. And the Chiefs still look like crap, despite the fact that you thought last week that this would be the turnaround game for them. They won the game, but it was, you know, they, they, they had a. They, I didn't think it was going to go that way. You no, know, I know. They, they, they had a claw and fight their way for that 20 to 17 win over the two win Giants. So the Raiders lead the division. And, um,. I don't know where this offense goes from here. They have, you know, they still have pieces, obviously. They still have Derek Carr. They still have Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller, but those guys are banged up. And I don't know. And we saw the Nathan Peterman news. Uh, I don't know if you can react that quickly. You know, the news came out this morning that this happened with Henry Ruggs. I don't know right away. People like, who, 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 what, what big play wide receiver are we could trade for now? It just, it's just the timing of it is just terrible. I saw but, a couple of people. Yeah. I just, yeah, I know. Wait for 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 ten seconds what, before people you, de- were people demanding that they make a move. Before you tweet something out, just yeah. think about it a little bit, and also think about the situation. 
We know yeah. that there's football that has to be in the business. But you're not a part of the business. No. Mike Mayock is a part of the business. That's who has to think about it. You know, it's just everyone slow down a little bit on the on that. Oh, wow. Rugs is gone. We got to figure out a way to trade for this guy. Like, come on. Yeah, the Raiders weren't trading for Odell Beckham today to replace Henry Ruggs. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, now, I do think that with Nathan Peterman cut, uh, they are making you know roster uh, moves and making space. And a name that's out there, and I'm surprised he was cut by the Rams because Tutu Atwell has an injury, a shoulder injury, that's going to have him miss most of the season, the rest of the season. Yeah. And Deshaun Jackson is not on the Rams anymore. He was not traded at the deadline. He's a free agent. He has to pass through waivers, and anybody that has a worse record than the Raiders could pick him up. However, if he passes waivers, he's clear to sign with the Raiders, and I think that's a slam dunk move, in my opinion. Yeah, that'd be the only that'd be the only person that you can get if you want to quote unquote replace Rugs because he's the speed threat. He's the guy yeah. that could possibly go deep, and I don't care. It seems like Deshaun Jackson by the time he's 60 he'll still be running go routes past everybody no matter how young the cornerback is even if it's a 22 23 year old quarterback just because that's how ageless it seems that deshaun jackson is still zigzagging again the end zone <laughs> when, when he's healthy yeah when he's healthy. yeah serpentine serpentine <laughs> uh, but uh i'm looking at free agents though next year and one name who i'm not even just not even talking about the Raiders. I'm just talking about one name I'm surprised that hasn't been moved is uh, Allen Robinson. I thought this dude was going to be gone from the uh, from the Bears. Everyone was speculating that he was going to be the number one guy. And I, I don't know. Maybe the offers weren't there. Maybe the offers were too expensive and the Bears just didn't like it. Um, but as far as the future for the Raiders, um, I don't know what's going to happen this season if they do sign Deshaun Jackson, but it looks like the top three guys who are going to be free agents next year are Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, and Devontae Adams. And mm. I wouldn't be surprised if knowing how this has gone for Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Carr has lost his next-door neighbor. <laughs> um <laughs> He hasn't lost team. him as a neighbor, like I said a couple weeks ago. He could still hang out with him. That's true. I just, I just don't know why. I just don't know if Derek Carr wants to be seen hanging out with John Gruden right now. He could still. He could still go to his. He could still go over to John's, and you know, maybe they can catch up on the latest Mask Singer. I don't know. Whatever they do, I, I bet you they have fun with that. You um, think John Gruden's watching the Mask Singer? I guarantee you he is. Who's I think he's more that? of the Who's Avatar that, Singer man? kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, the Avatar. Yeah. Who's under doing? that man? Who are they doing yeah. that? All right. Uh, <laughs> spend the whole day doing John Gruden impressions. Yeah, but then um, <laughs> also, though, like Derek Carr just lost this guy, Henry Ruggs, who he felt like he yeah. was creating a the, that quarterback wide receiver one connection with. The one that, you know, Russell Wilson has with Tyler Lockett yeah. or Joe Burrow has with Jamar Chase or Patrick Mahomes has with Tyreek Hill. Like different, you know, connections like that, that really yeah. Derek. I don't know if Derek's really had that. I mean, he, I guess he did with with Amari. If you if you want to count one, there were there were times where though I thought that he was more comfortable with Crabtree over Amari. Right, Amari was so young and still figuring things out and wasn't getting a separation as much as Crabtree. He'd go invisible. He'd he'd have an 100 yard game and then the next game it'd yeah. be like one reception for four yards on three targets and you'd wonder what the hell's going on. We don't, so, don't need to go back down memory lane or bad memory lane with all the Amari Cooper stuff, Stephen. And then, but yes, uh, I agree then, with you. I mean, he, he was he was great in that game on Sunday night uh, in the in the fourth quarter. 
to oh, help Jesus. the with Cooper beat, Rush. Like, with Cooper Rush. Uh, but Devontae Adams, getting to this whole point about why I brought up Derek Carr. I mean, I feel like they're going to offer him as much money as possible to bring Derek Carr's yeah. old buddy, old bulldog buddy from Fresno State, Devontae Adams. But do you think at this point in Devontae Adams' career, he wants to go play for Derek Carr, who he hasn't played with since college, as opposed to the quarterback he's played with his whole career and Aaron Rodgers? Well, if Aaron Rodgers is still there, then maybe. Well, I, that's all contingent on where Aaron Rodgers wants to play next season, and that's a conversation for another day. But, right. I, I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to have to look in the offseason and you know see what happens there. But let's talk about the trade deadline for a second, Stephen. And it was all hyped up with the Von Miller news, and that came out of nowhere. Even though I thought like in the offseason, like, I didn't know if Von Miller was going to come back to the Broncos, and he did. I thought eventually the Rams would like, you know, add a player like a J.J. Watt or a Von Miller, and they do it at the trade deadline when they just completely just kick the ass of the Houston Texans. And you can make the case that they don't even need Von Miller, but when you live in L.A. and teams are willing to give you players, isn't it crazy that every L.A. team just gets who they want? Whether it's the Dodgers with Max Scherzer or Trey Turner, the Lakers, they go get Russell Westbrook and all the old guys that they want for some reason. And then the Rams, they get handed Von Miller when the Broncos are just like, yeah, we're going to pay his salary too, so you guys have fun this season. In a, in a, in a league with a hard cap. Yeah. Like, I don't get like, it. I go back to when John Gruden said, well, this, you know, we keep bringing up John Gruden, but uh, he said. Yeah, I know. But, but he said this, though. When they trade away Khalil Mack, there's a card cap in this league, man. You can't have a quarterback making $100 million and a defensive end plan uh, doing that. The Rams clearly don't give a fuck about that. As yeah. Matthew Stafford makes that amount of money, Jared, Go- Jared Goff made that, that amount of money, and Aaron Donald sure as shit makes that amount of money. So I don't know how the hell they, wait, how the hell they get away with it. Like, it's... It's, a, it's crazy, it's a, but it's, hands, it's, a fascinating case, it's a fascinating case study. It really is. In a team that's trying to win now, throw it all, throw all their chips in the table in a time when, uh, you know, I, I guess in the NBA, maybe draft picks are a little more valuable just because there's only um, two rounds. So? Nah, maybe not. I, it, it, I'm just thinking of the Oklahoma City Thunder just stock. Yeah, how many draft, draft picks do the Oklahoma City Thunder have that they don't like more than the Rams have in the next 20 years? And they have yeah, seven rounds feels- from. In basketball, it just feels like, oh, yeah, you, you can take uh, 10 first round picks from us and, uh, yeah, we'll call it even. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they don't make any sense, but yeah. um, I I don't get how I don't know how they're gonna survive. Um, as far as depth, I mean, Aaron Donald, Robert Woods, uh, uh, Matthew Stafford is only under contract till twenty twenty three. I don't know what they're gonna plan to do there. What are they gonna take a quarterback in the draft? Are they just gonna keep on relying on Matthew Stafford by the time he's? I don't even know what age he's gonna be by the time twenty twenty three rolls around. Probably like thirty. Five, uh, yeah. is that what no? He, he, well, he's thirty three right now. I want to say, yeah, yeah, okay. So in yeah, thirty three right now, he's going to yeah. turn thirty four in February. So twenty twenty two, and then yeah, he'll be thirty five by the time he's a free agent next year. But does it mean anything if they win the Super Bowl this year? They did what they needed to do. If they win the Super Bowl, then it's all it's all good. <laughs> like that's and that's really where they're at. And we're seeing it lately in the NFL. I was a big, you know. You kind of do things in the draft. You you know you can make all the free agency moves you want, but in the end, you know I don't think that's really going to help you. The Buccaneers in their first year with Tom Brady and all the guys they added, they won. Eagles a couple years ago, they obviously drafted Carson Wentz, but they made some big splashy moves with getting like Alshon Jeffrey and Chris Long, 
guys like that. They won the Super Bowl. So we're seeing it more and more in the NFL that free agency moves help teams. And I was kind of surprised today. And you know what? Actually, I should take that back. I wasn't surprised today. I was duped. I was duped by all the insiders because, Stephen, we were made to believe that this day was going to be huge with all the, the trades. And for a week now, a goddamn week, everyone has been hyping up Deshaun Watson is going to get traded. We all know Deshaun Watson is going to get traded. And it totally has fucked over the Miami Dolphins organization. Tua's even acknowledged it in press conferences where he's saying, I'm, I don't not feel wanted, whatever double negative the hell he said. Yeah. Brian Flores has to answer for it. They could have just squashed this whole thing and said, we're not training for Deshaun Watson at this moment. And then let it linger. Mm. It's a great song too, by the cranberries. Do you have to let it linger? And now <laughs> you have to, do you have to trade for Watson? And they didn't. And in the end they don't. And it's just ridiculous. And I feel like this is all just a, you know, a thing for the insiders to just put out more tweets and clicks and likes for all of us to be like, oh, God, Fletcher Cox is on the trading block. And all these people and the Packers are going to trade for Evan Ingram. And in the end, it doesn't happen. It reminds me of a great quote from the Naked Gun two and a half, The Smell of Fear. It's a great movie, Stephen. And in the movie, Leslie Nielsen says, we've got a long road ahead of us. It's like having sex. It's a painstaking an arduous task that seems to go on and on forever. And just when you think things are going your way, nothing happens. That is the NFL trade deadline. Why are you getting mad at insiders, though? Because they're just... What sport do these NFL insiders work for? What sport? Football? Yeah. What league? The NFL. Yeah. So they're trying to push people toward their trade deadline to make people think it's going to I know. be exciting. When probably I'm so going to happen. They have but to I'm do that every so year. What do you think their job is? Okay, I'm just so over it, though. With Adam Schefter taking the league by hostage in the offseason this year, be like, Aaron Rodgers is going to get traded, and then doing the same shit with Deshaun Watson. And now he's like, his tweet today is like, to be continued. So he just has a grasp over the NFL until he leaves to go work on the Vegas thing that he's going to work on. Did you hear yeah. about that? He's going to work for uh, Caesars Palace or some shit. Who is? Sporty. There's some rumor that Adam Schefter is going to leave ESPN oh. and go work for Caesars as some insider, but... Well, I mean, he could. I, I mean, it's weird, man. These insiders have kind of really – it's uh, taken a turn on them lately with all the stuff that's been released and with Adam Schefter and then all the stuff with Woj where Woj has just like a total stranglehold on everything at ESPN when it comes to inside information. Uh, it's, yeah. very, it's very fascinating that I think people are starting to even hurt on them a little bit. Even Jeff Passan a little bit, where it's just like, I like all these guys, and I think they do an incredible job, but I think it's the companies they work for, mainly ESPN, mm. where they are forced to tweet out nonsense all the time to have us just constantly be on our toes and be like checking our phone and be like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Case in point, Jeff Passan over the summer, Matt Scherzer traded to the Padres. We all think it's going to happen, and it, as far as we know, it was done because he tweeted it out. He was used as leverage. In the end, so the Dodgers could get a better better deal with Max Scherzer. And it's just bullshit. So yeah. I just fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, won't get fooled again, as George Bush said. But that's <laughs> yeah, just ridiculous. It was a very disappointing trade deadline. It was very disappointing. Let me you know what, let me pull them up. Let me pull up these. Let me pull up the trades here that actually happened because I, I I had them. There all were four. Yes, Melvin Ingram got traded to the Chiefs from the Steelers. The yes. doctor, the Canadian doctor with the Chiefs got traded to uh, the Jets. 
Yes. Laurent Duvernay Tardif. There you go. Charles Omenehu to the 49ers. Yep, yep, yep. And then that's, that's about it, it, right? Von yeah. Miller to the well, Rams. Well, Von Miller, obviously. And then, you know, a couple weeks ago, Stephon Gilmore and CJ Henderson. But not a whole lot. And I would have thought the Saints would have made a move today having Jameis Winston tear his ACL. I don't know what's going on with Taysom Hill. I guess he has a concussion. I don't know if Sean Payton wants to rework his entire offense to have Taysom Hill play quarterback, but that's what he did last season, and he's very capable of doing that. But I just thought it was interesting with a lot of good backup quarterbacks available. Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota. These aren't great guys, but guys you could trade for and bring them in. Hell, you could even convince the Broncos, can we get Teddy Bridgewater? Because he used to play for us. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that they didn't make a move. They're going to roll with Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon going forward. Um, if Deshaun Watson was available, which uh, ridiculous in the first place, there's no, there's no fan base in America right now. that's going to stand for him. We got to see what happens in the off season. Apparently the only contact the dolphins had with Deshaun Watson was last night. And in the end, they were both like, yeah, it's probably not best for us to do business right now. So they, yeah. they want him. It's obvious. And it seems like two was going to leave, but the only team that made sense actually to trade for Deshaun Watson if it's guaranteed that he is not going to be suspended this season, it was probably the Saints. But I don't know how you make that move work. I don't know how. I, I've I've completely gone off to Sean Watson. I've gone off that entire thing. I don't even want to focus on the fact that the NFL is just full of immorality and still keeping this guy employed and this guy's I still seeing his name. I don't want to see his name. I don't want. I don't care where he goes anymore. Like I've had it with that guy. I'm so <laughs> over. Deshaun Watson and all of the talk. Like, I don't care. And hey, Dolphins, you made the wrong pick with Tua Tonga Vialoa in the first place. He's not that good. What'd all you right? call him? Tua Tonga Vialoa. Vialoa. Isn't it Tonga Tonga Vialoa? Tonga no, Vialoa? Tua Tonga Vialoa. Tua Tonga Vialoa. My bad. But either way. You're right, Steven. Good Lord. You sound like the guy giving out the Heisman to him. <laughs> my bad. I sound like Roger Goodell. Uh, <laughs> My bad, but I don't know. I'm, I don't. I haven't even looked at anything with 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 Deshaun Watson. But it's not going to happen until until he's found innocent. If he's found innocent, who are these? So who are the scariest teams right now in the NFL? What I mean, I, I guess the Rams are right up there. Um, nobody. I think it's the Rams wants, hand down, hands down. Nobody really wants to give Green Bay any credit, even though they've just done nothing but win ever since that dud against the Saints. Can we talk about that real quick? Because that was a fantastic game. It was hyped up. And it was the difference in our picks last week. Mm. Between the three of us, and I said three of us, you, me, and our spooky guest last week, Elena Matzorkas, she kicked our ass by one game, but she beat us. She, because of the Green Bay game, she picked Green Bay. She, what did she go? I got the scores here. Hold on. Elena went nine and six, and you and I went eight and seven. We had to do the old tiebreaker last night with the Monday night game, and I won. So, Stephen, are you going to eat a wing for us today? No, no, I'm not going to. Of course, a wing. you're not. Uh, I'm tired of buying the singular wing. There's no need to get an individual wing anymore, especially because nowhere sells individual wings. And me, I'm trying to watch my figure. <laughs> all right, and I've been spending ten bucks every week. Just to buy these good old-fashioned wings, atomic hot wings that I don't even like. 
and, I, and I'm not going to lie to you. I bought some original hot on the side just so I have something to enjoy. And I've been munching Ooh. on them afterwards with a bunch of ranch. But you know what? I'm kind of getting used to the atomic wings now. So I'm good. Oh, you but built a pallet. I have. And you're like and Sean Evans. And with you, you don't even struggle when you're eating hot wings. You have like a mouth of. Oh, hold on, buddy. You don't see me the next day. I struggle. Okay. I don't want to see that. But on the camera, you when sure? it matters most. When we're live streaming, you do not struggle. You just eat them like it's normal, and then you have a little trouble talking. It's not very entertaining. So, <laughs> what are you, the critics? Yeah, I'm, I'm the YouTube comments for this show. <laughs> uh, uh, so I got two different. Let's Niner talk, more Raider talk. What is this shit? The re- the reason why. Oh, do you have the last dab? What is that? So I got one version. I either got this. Last dab Apollo. Oh yeah. Either Showtime at the Apollo, baby. So do you want this one? This one's a little more uh liquidy, a little less thick, which uh well, you gotta keep night, it thick. Which night might not be apt for this. Or we got the other one. Oh, look at I you got, shaking it up. I got a you're supposed to. That's what they do. And uh <laughs> and I also got the other last dab, which is triple X. Ooh. Which is a it, little little thicker. Kind of looks like Grey Poupon a little bit. It's actually, it's it tastes okay. Both of these taste okay. But So they, what's your uh, plan here? So you're skipping the wing and you're going to put it on what? A Cheez-It. <laughs> uh, I, I love Cheez-Its. I know. I do too. And I'm about to you're, ruin You're ruining a good Cheez-It like that? That's all I got. I don't have any tortilla chips. I don't have anything <laughs> to put these on. But I'd rather not get what a What flavor Cheez-It? What flavor Cheez-It? Uh, uh, ooh. Extra you got toasties? Toast. Extra toasty, yeah. Oh hell yeah! Oh, you know, oh yeah, yeah. You know they sell them with the uh, they got like Tabasco flavor now. I don't like that at all. Oh, I love that. I love really. I love, yeah. yeah, I love the hot and spicy one. So let's read the descriptions here and tell me which one. This is for the okay. Apollo. This is for the Apollo. Showtime at the Apollo. The last stab. Heat level ten out of ten. By the way, okay. Apollo is the world's only hot sauce made with the Apollo pepper, the newest. The new hottest pepper from Guinness World Record holding chili breeder smoking Ed Curry. The Apollo pepper channels the sun's energy to bring new levels of flavor and heat to the world of super hots. Live the hot ones tradition. So hold on. How many Scovilles is it? I don't know. They don't have the amount of Scovilles. Have you ever watched the show before? They they have the Scoville unit for every other sauce except for like the last dab when they get. Oh, started. really? Yeah. I so, actually haven't kept up with that show in a while. This oh, it's it's been pretty good. I forgot who they had last time. They Are had they still negative, zooming. They had no, they're not. They're they're in the same room now. They're just right, two, they got two tables separating them instead of going after one. He mm-hmm. had a uh, he had Meg the Stallion on, who was actually really funny. I, did I she uh, did she uh, go far? Because I, I I could see you're probably putting down some some wings. She went the entire way. Yeah, she nice. went on to promote that new hottie sauce at Popeyes. Oh um, yeah, yeah. We talked about that last week. Yeah. So that was this one. So okay. basically, I'd be eating the sun. And this one is the hottest sauce on Hot Ones cranks the spice levels even higher with this special triple X rated version of The Last Dab. Three distinct strains of Smoke and Ed Curry's most infamous chili, Pepper X, Chocolate Pepper X, and Peach Pepper X, combined to smoke out celebrity guests and fans alike. Add mm. a dab to your favorite foods and live the Hot Ones tradition. So which one would you like me to add a dab of? The Triple X uh, or the Apollo? I love Showtime at the Apollo, but I love Triple X more, the Vin Diesel movie. So I'm going to go with that one. Wow. Good movie choice. Oh, yeah. All right. Fine. 
Better than the return of Xander Cage, which I haven't seen though. The return of Xander Cage. Which the return of Z- and you're gonna use a cheese it to put this on. Yes, I'll use two just to. So you didn't want to drive to Wingstop and say, "Hey, one wing, please." I did not. I was tired of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm very annoyed with it, actually. As a matter of fact, because I'd be having to wake up early from my nap and all that. It's well, you got to get the nap in. Okay, let's here we go. Steven's dabbing it up. Let's get. It's got a nice glob on there, dude. It's uh, how it's coming. See, yeah, I can see. It's it's thick as I do the play by play here. <gasps> It starts to drip drop on the cheese it as Steven freezes a little bit. Dude, that's a lot. Like, I've eaten this it's, before. It's, it's, it's your funeral, dude. It's a lot. <laughs> Put it in your mouth. Little... Let's go. Oh, shit. Th- this is. It's going to sting. How do you feel? Oh, it's so much worse. <laughs> Stings the nostrils. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, touch your eyes. What are you doing? I'm joking. Oh. I haven't had that in a while. You all good? Do you have water or anything? I have water. I don't want water. Yeah, water activates it. Yeah. All right, I'll talk. I'll 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 talk Please while you're, you're you're um, surviving. So uh, Packers Cardinals, your thoughts. Okay. So uh before we get to that game, that was the dif- difference in our picks. And Elena Manzorkas beat us last week because she picked that game. So I feel like we got to uh, do something for that since she beat us at our own game. And I'll figure out what we're going to do. Maybe maybe we have to eat wings for her or something. Did we both eat, pick the Cardinals? We both picked the Cardinals. Wow. And that game was crazy. What what the hell is A.J. Green doing on that play? Jesus ah, Christ. Yeah, it was the A.J. Green. It was the Thursday nighter, of course. <laughs> Every word is mispainted. <laughs> Look, you're painting like a dog. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, I'll talk for you. What, what the hell is AJ Green doing on that play? Jesus Christ. Do you think it was a run play with no timeouts left and like 14 seconds left of the game? Was there any explanation after? No. It's like the Sapruder film. I wonder what the hell happened. In the end, uh, 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 Cliff Kingsbury just Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury just was just like super cool about it. I was like, yeah, you know, Kyler, uh, you know, he was looking for AJ Green on the play. Could have vied him. That's my Cliff. Nice. Um. Oh, and that that all happened because the Packers couldn't run the ball. It was with. a crazy sequence where they were stopped on fourth and goal on the one yard line after a touchdown was called back against uh, for Aaron Jones. Then the Cardinals flip field. At the most, they're going to get a field goal and send to overtime. Not the case. A little pick to Rasul Douglas. So the Packers Raiders go to the top. Legend. Oh, yeah, Rasul Douglas. Yeah, but the Raiders. Packers go to the top of the conference now as the Cardinals get their first loss. So Elena beat us with that pick. Um, but she also joined us last week. And she beat us despite picking the Houston Texans. I went back and listened to it. A couple of times, and I tried to find a where like she like said, "No, I'm joking. I'm not taking the Texans." She took the Texans and still kicked our ass. So props to Elena. That's so sad on our part. Yes, it is very sad on <laughs> our part. But what's more sad is uh, so last week Elena joined us. Actually, I shouldn't say this is sad. This is pretty awesome. It's a fantastic story. So Elena joins us last week as we attempt to do costumes, and she actually did a costume. End, dude. <laughs> What'd you say? It doesn't end. <laughs> 
Look at like a five-year-old staring at the table. What is it? Stop. Is this ever red? I put it touch right your eyes. The what the hell are you doing? I, I put it. It's fine. I didn't touch any. Shush. Keep going. Sorry. Okay. So let, so let me tell the story. Hopefully uh, laughter cures the hotness in your mouth. So Elena joined us last week. She was in costume. We, we attempted to do costumes, but she was had the best costume by far. She was awesome, though, from South Park. And she had the full getup. She got the box head, the box body, and she went to her party on Saturday night. And she texted me, thinking that she texts me and you. She's at the Halloween party she went to, dressed up as dressed in Ox, uh, Oz, as, as Osimo. She's been drinking a little bit. She's got the, the box head on. She can't see very well while she's texting. <laughs> and she thinks she's texting you and me. Oh, no. You are in her phone as Stephen Langford. Uh-oh. Also in her phone is Earl Stevens. Oh, no. And if you know who Earl Stevens is, that's E-40. No. She, on Saturday night, I get a text in a group text from Elena between me, her, and E-40 with her dressed as awesome. <laughs> Did he respond? No, he didn't respond. Come on, E-40, you didn't like the costume? Oh, that's unfortunate. I know. It was a fantastic story, though. So, so he- yeah, it's on Saturday night. I'm like, what the hell is this? To me and E-40 from Elena? What the hell is this about? <laughs> yeah. I'm very nervous about that. Because, you know, working We're in radio. Sending texts to the wrong person. Working in radio, you acquire, you know, a phone number here or there just to hit somebody up. Because people are nice enough to actually give you their phone number, which was a surprising thing to me. Not everybody. Not, Not everybody. Not everybody. But, you know, some people. And <laughs> I've been really hoping that I would never make that. Uh, make that mistake, but do you think yeah. like when when E forty gets a text alert, it's ooh. <laughs> Sorry, is that that's that's the sound his phone makes? Yeah, his phone. Like anytime he gets a text, he goes ooh. And then like when somebody like texts multiple texts in a row, you know, when they send the small text and they send like four or five in a row, it's like ooh 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 ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I thought that was his reaction to seeing a text from uh, somebody he doesn't like. It's just like, ugh. Yeah. And then when he likes it, he's like, yee. Yeah. Oh, good <laughs> lord. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of, shout out to Dirty Dip, man. Go to dirtydip.com if you want to get any apparel. Dirty Dip. The hell's Dirty Dip? It's my friend's apparel company. Check you it plug out. In, you plugging your own shit now here? Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, hey, tell, friend, tell us about the dirty dip. Look, they got all different Nine kinds dirty of stuff. dip. They got all different kinds of stuff. They got hats. They got stickers. They got everything. They got Do they have dip. No dip. They should get no. dip. They should get dip. I agree. Plug hey, it, you, plug it might be dirty, though. Oh, plug in my own stuff. Oh, all right. Before we have our special guest, Michael so Urban Ooh. joining us at four o'clock. He was supposed to join us a couple weeks ago. And he's going to join us to talk about uh, a lot of stuff going on in baseball. We've got the World Series going on tonight, and uh, I'll talk about this a little later. But uh, Bob Melvin going to the Padres, and we, we all thought it was Bruce Bochy. Remember last week I brought this up, and you were you were right where you said uh, a lot of GMs said there was no fucking way that Bruce Bochy was going to take that job. One coach, one former coach, one coach. Okay, in an, in an article, in the Athletic article that that kind of went through the timeline of 
everything going on with the uh, with the Padres. I mean, it makes sense because Bruce Boshi wants to be a hands-on uh, manager. And who's their GM? A.J. Preller? Yes, correct. He's the guy that wants to control things. And Bob Melvin is a great manager, but he, you know, he does do what, you know, Billy Bean tells him. So makes sense. And when we got the news, it was right before the Thursday night game against the Cardinals and Packers. Uh, I was not surprised. I was surprised by the team. But then it makes sense. It makes perfect sense because I thought Bruce Bochy was going to take that job. I thought that Bob Melvin was going to go join Sandy Alderson with the New York Mets. But Bob Melvin's a Bay Area guy. He's a California guy. I think his family lives in Arizona or Colorado or something, but it just makes sense for him to be on the West Coast. The Padres are a great team. I don't know what the hell is going on with the A's. They could be totally just uh, selling as they always do, but selling even more as they prepare for Vegas. So uh, it's just sad. Well, I got to tell you, man, he's going to be going from something completely different. Like these two teams, uh, he hasn't had to deal with this his entire time with the A's and what I mean by, well, actually, you know what? Scratch that he has. Cause he actually goes back what 11 years. So you think back to 2010, I mean, what is the biggest locker room dysfunction that he's had to deal with, with like Billy Butler and Danny Valencia getting into oh. a fist fight in the locker room. Like, is that the, is that the most country breakfast? <laughs> Big country guy. breakfast. Not a great guy, no. but uh, Bob Melvin though, He's going from from a team with the A's who it appear at least this season or these past couple of seasons with Olsen and Chapman and Simeon when he was on the team and every one of those guys that they've had. Oh, dude, it's still in the roof of my mouth. Is it's it really still intense. lingering? It's really intense. Like, here's the thing. I don't know if I'm ever going to get rid of this because you can only do a dab and it'll get you. It'll act like you've eaten like six of those atomic wings all at once. Um so milk forever going to go away, but uh, he, he's going from a team where all these guys were selfless. They played together. It didn't seem like a lot of them are, you know, chasing the big money or, or any of that stuff. It, it, it really was a team. And some of that has to do with Bob Melvin. And maybe that's why the Padres hired him. Cause they think that he can bring that cohesiveness. And, you know, we'll ask Michael Urban about that. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, but I don't know how he's going to handle all the personalities that they got over there in San Diego. As Fernando Tatis continues to become the face of baseball and mold his way into that, Manny Machado making the big money, but those two don't seem to get along. Yeah, Eric Hosmer, I don't know what's going on with Eric Hosmer with the Padres. That starting you, that starting five, if they can stay healthy, they'll be really good. But man, he's going to he's going from you know, the yin and yang type of teams right now, a a team that's kind of overachieved when they don't have really any high paid players, as opposed to the Padres who have underachieved when a lot of them are uh, very highly paid. And there will be expectations because he's a great manager and they should be a playoff team. But uh, as far as the A's go, it's it's just a sign of what's up. How great is he though? Bob, you know, I think people say that because he's a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. And everybody in the Bay Area that worked with the A's loves him because he's just a nice guy. He'll do interviews, whether you're Brody Brazil or Chris Townsend. Uh, he always makes times for the makes time for those guys. So he's one of the he's one of the nicest like oh humans salt of the earth salt I've of the ever, earth. He's like one of the nicest humans I've ever seen in 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 sports. However, however, yes, he has become the wing, winningest coach in A's history, which is really as Tony Larusa. Really hard to do, right? Yeah. Especially with all the legendary coaches uh, that they've had. However, 
His playoff record with them, yeah. not great. But uh, whose playoff record with the A's is great? It's a good point. But overall, he's seven. Besides Tony Larusa and um, who's the dude that could, that managed the uh, Yankees back in the day in the seventies? Used to get fired by the Yankees all the time. Billy Martin. Billy Martin. Billy Martin. And uh, but look, man. After all, seven and thirteen in the playoffs, and when you have it with, uh, and 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 I, and I know his, I know that his uh, his front office didn't do him any favors. I mean, good lord, Bob. It's Belvin, not really him making those calls, though. It's not him making those calls at all, but. The past couple of seasons, bringing in you know uh, uh, Liam Hendricks as the opener in the in the wild card game, bringing in Sean Manaya in the wild card game. He's he's the scapegoat because that's not his call. You don't think so? No, it's Billy. Billy, you think Billy really made that call? It's Billy. Come on, it's it's all these GMs. Whether it's Farhan or Billy. It's the GMs making the calls in baseball. We'll ask Michael Urban about it, but that's what I think. I disagree with that. Fine, then. Disagree with me. I think there's a. I think there's. I think there's a lot of communication, but I. I I think we overblow that a lot. Okay, we'll we'll talk about it, but um, yeah, it's a sign of things to come for the A's, unfortunately. And um, but I do have one suggestion for who could be the manager of the A's. Former player, Walter. God no. (laughs) Ugh. I think I, uh, I think I know where you're going, and I think this is what every A's fan wants. Say it. Go ahead. Does his rate? Does his name rhyme with Schmon Schmashington? No. Oh, you don't <laughs> want Ron Washington? No, I don't. I mean, I I love Wash, but uh, I think he had his time as a manager, and uh, it's time to let that go. He's doing a fine job with the Braves. There's another guy on the Braves, I think, that could manage the A's. Who's that? I vote for Stephen Vote. Oh God. Well, what's so bad about that? Why do you roll your eyes? You really want Stephen Vogt as your manager? I think you'd be a good leader. I think I think guys in the clubhouse respect him. He's he said he always wanted to be a manager. I could see Stephen Vogt being a great manager for the Oakland A's. Okay, but Bob Melvin has, and this is why I don't really buy your whole bullpen thing. Bob Melvin has tried to mix the old school with that analytics stuff, right? And He's been a proponent of that. And the opener is, you know, it's it, analytics is involved. Like, you know, sometimes these guys just don't hit as well with the guy with the opener, who, the closer who's opening the game, blah, blah, blah. But he also made it a feel thing. If Steven Vogt comes in and you're, he's your manager, now all those moves are definitely going to be made from the top. Like, I'll be led to, I'll, I'll be led to believe that if Steven Vogt's your manager. Same thing if Ron Washington were his name manager. Whoever it's going to be is just a yes man to Billy. Interesting. Interesting. And honestly, like, well, we're not going to win. It's just going to be the same shit when Gruden, another Gruden reference, when Gruden came for the last two seasons in Oakland. It's just going to be retooling the team until it's bye-bye time. Yeah, what do you think? Because I think the move had a big part to do with this in Melvin's transition. You know, I, I, I think he knew his time was up, but if the team wasn't moving, I know he likes the area. Yeah. Um, then maybe it would he would have been more would have been more inclined to you know maybe have him stay, but it seems like this has been going on ever since like spring training or something like that. So even before the season started, he saw the writing on the wall. He's a Bay yep. Area guy. Went to Cal. He 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 doesn't want to go to Vegas. Yeah, that's what yeah. I think. Yeah, if Vegas is going to be their spot, I, I think it, it is. I, 
how much longer can A's fans root for the team? Like seriously, like uh, well, I mean, teams, team for fans who are fans of teams from Oakland, they have been tested, man. Uh, yeah, dude, and everyone's failed the test. <laughs> it's it is it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bob Melvin even talked about it in his. Excuse me, while I get choked up about this, Bob Melvin left. Um. In his introductory press conference with the San Diego Padres, he talked about the fan attendance at Padres games. And you can make weird, you know, people are going to joke like, oh, you never had that with the A's. Of course he didn't. And you're going to see it even more and more now. You thought the attendance was bad in years past? Wait till this season. Just wait till this season. It's going to be bad. If they just keep charging $40 to get seats in the second deck so you can watch it's, the A's versus the Mariners. It's it's not even that, man. It's just the disrespect. It's just the flirting with the other cities. It's just you had a hard time getting fans to the ballpark to begin with. Now you're going to have more seagulls than ever. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I like seagulls. Yeah. Interesting yeah. birds. But I don't want them at baseball games. You like seagulls? No, I don't. I'm just trying to be funny there. What kind of birds do you like? Do you like any birds? I like Larry Bird. <laughs> Uh, what birds do I like? I don't yeah, know. Man. Top I don't five go, birds. I don't, go, I don't go bird watching. Top five birds. Go. Pelicans. Okay. Uh, quail. I'm putting the quail up there. I like the pelican. I like the pelican. I like the quail. Um. Uh. Do you hunt quail? I don't want any crashers. I don't. I don't go hunting. I don't even know how to. F- I don't even know how to fucking hunt a quail. <laughs> Um, big fan of the Falcon. I love a good Falcon. Those things are menaces. Mainly a red tail. I like the red tail Falcons. Okay. Uh, number, another bird. Cause you, you already took mine with the, with the Pelican. I like that one. You like I crows? Can't, I can't say. Th- no, I don't like crows. Crows creep me out. Especially our former boss. I like, wow. <laughs> I like, uh, his name was Jeremiah Crow. That's an old school reference right there. I like, uh, Old school. Makes it seem like it was 20 years ago. It was like five years ago. It was like it was 20 years ago, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it was a lifetime ago. Uh, 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 I can't think of any more birds. <laughs> you got three? Boy, you were you were ready to do like a top 10 list of what's your favorite what's your favorite birds from 1985? I like a good eagle. Eagles are sick. And then a condor. We'll go with a condor. What about Ooh. ravens? If we're, if we're just saying team names. I like the ravens. Yeah. I the like football that. team or the bird? The bird. Okay. And Simone. <laughs> Raven Simone? <laughs> Real quick before we get our uh, guest on here, Michael Urban going to join us at 4 o'clock. Uh, Niners, they get it done, man, with Jimmy G. And <laughs> I'm going to say it, man. This is a Jimmy G team going forward for years to come. This is the team's quarterback. And Niner fans just got to get with it. Just got to get with it. Jimmy G is your guy. You wasted all those draft picks for Trey Lance. Uh Uh-uh. This guy ran for two rushing touchdowns. Uh How many does Trey Lance have? Just one. (laughs) Niner fans, you got your quarterback. And his name, Jim Garoppolo, who turns 30 today. So give him a birthday present and let him be your starting quarterback. So I'm guessing you don't think he's good. <laughs> no. I like to go against what everybody else is doing. When Jimmy Garoppolo got traded for the for- to the 49ers, my initial reaction was, fuck this guy. This guy's going to ruin the Bay Area. 
Now, fast forward to where everybody hates him. I'm like, yeah, come on, guys. Jimmy's the guy. <laughs> Dude, you know what's interesting? It's it's really been fascinating seeing the reaction to that game. Because even I fell to this. Like, this is how I was on Monday morning. Check out my show, 5 to 6, pregame show on 95.7 The Game, if you'd like. But this is how I was. It's called Dirty Dip with Steven. (laughs) But (laughs) but my initial reaction was, you know, Jimmy played a good game. Like, darn, he looked good. His best of the season. His best of the season. Yeah, but that's not saying much. Because when you take a step back, (laughs) you take a step back and you realize that the dude wasn't pressured. He had all the time in the world. He had the type of game that any franchise quarterback any starting quarterback should have with that kind of time. He's still throwing off his back foot. He's still doing all of that. There were a bunch of wide receiver drops that hurt him. They had the one pass for 50 yards, but that's like the best throw he's ever made as a 49er quarterback. I I don't know. It's just, it feels like we were going all crazy for it. And then you take a step back and you realize, well, wait a second. He didn't throw a touchdown. He was pretty accurate with the football, but his one big play was, with Debo Samuel and the screen pass that went 83 yards. And then that let him run the ball in and the, a play, which quite frankly looked really weird where Debo Samuel was motioning. It looked like they wanted to do a jet sweep and then he just stops in his tracks and somehow they're able to, to snap the ball. And it's, it, you know, I, I don't think what he's done in the past, at least this game can wash away what he's done in the past. Like he did not look good against the Colts in the rain. In this one, I looked, I walked back or I, I went back and watched it. At least his throws. And I thought, yeah, he looked good. He looked okay. I, it, it, it wasn't something amazing though. And really uh, 49er fans, I know they're expecting playoffs this year, but if that guy's going to be your starting quarterback, I don't think he will be for long because all it takes is one bad game before everybody turns on him again. Because that's just how it goes. Most likely, as they face the Arizona Cardinals, uh, they're coming off their first loss of the season, and we'll see you know, how Possibly Jimmy plays. Possibly McCoy-led Cardinals. Nah, Kyler's going to play that game. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. We'll but, if it's, uh, but if it's Colt McCoy, I mean, uh, better chances for the Niners. Let me yeah. just give you my overview of the game uh, right away. First uh, opening drive, first drive. They threw deep. They threw deep to Ayuk. Right. And they didn't score on that drive, but it, it just looked the most comfortable, comfortable, comfortable that Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo have looked this entire season. Oh, from the play calling to whatever they could do in the offense. I know people are laughing and saying, when Jimmy Garoppolo is quarterback for the 49ers, that's when we can open up the offense. And honestly, that's the truth right now with Trey Lance being so limited. Other things I just noticed, um, Elijah Mitchell, he's the guy in the backfield. I know he got banged up in that game, but he's your starting running back going forward. Uh, don't see Mostert coming back with the team. They'll figure something out with Trey Sermon. I don't think he's you know very well liked by Shanahan right now. He's figured he's things out. He's not built for the Shanahan system. And Probably not. By that, I mean just beat out guys on the edge, go outside the tackles, and use your speed once they get you blocking on the uh, uh, on the uh, at the line of scrimmage, then on to the second level, like Elijah Mitchell was not good up the middle. I think he had like eight carries for thirteen yards or something like that up the right, middle. Right. Everything was on the outside. I'm a, I like Elijah Mitchell though. I think he's a good back. I think he's strong. Now he's good, he's and it, it's obvious Debo is the playmaker on that team. 
Um, just two things before we get to our guests that are very clear. While Justin Fields is a fantastic athlete and he had an amazing touchdown run, uh-huh. I don't think you're looking at that game and thinking, wow, the Niners made a big mistake not drafting him or even thinking of even having him in the conversation because he was never in the conversation. It was always going to be whether it was going to be Trey Lance or Mac Jones or who's the third guy. It was, it was just those two. Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That was pretty much it. But yeah. I don't think I don't think Justin Fields was even in consideration. And the second thing is just that while Jimmy Garoppolo is, you know, he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. I understand that he still can bring a lot to this team. I know he's not the quarterback going forward, but I just thought he had a good outing. We'll see how long he keeps a starting job for. But it, I thought it was just. It was fitting that he won that game, his first game ever as a starting quarterback for the Niners. He beat the Bears in Chicago. He's from Chicago. So I thought it was fitting, and I thought it's a good week for uh, the you know all the Niners fans to get off the back of Shanahan and uh, Jimmy for a week. Yeah, and you know what? They're still in it. They still are, and that's really the positive that you can look <laughs> we'll at. We'll see. And the NFL season's just so weird, man. You never know what can happen there. Like Speaking yeah, of weird. Speaking of the obvious. Speaking of weird, as I try to transition here. Nice. We got our guest. Cover the A's back in the day. Used to cover the San Francisco Giants for uh, NBC pre and post. Used to have uh, a little show called Inside the Bigs on 95.7 The Game. You could follow him, Big Herb Sports. It's not Michael Irvin, and it's not Urban Meyer. It's Michael Irvin, everybody. What's going on, Herbs? Yo! Man, I'm. I've, you put me in the show. I was really enjoying being backstage and just... Listening to you guys, I hadn't hadn't heard you guys together. You sound great, man. Thanks for having me. You're too you're too kind. As you get an email, <laughs> uh, I, how do I? You know what's crazy is I've worked like I was one of the first guys to transition over to the internet, leaving newspapers yeah. during the dot com boom. So since 1999, I think um, I've been working on the internet, and I've still. Com- the internet and technology illiterate i'm just <laughs> the fact that i'm here with you is a huge huge step in my favor i'm very proud of it doesn't take much but i'm, I'm just again i'm just glad to be here man it's great to see you guys faces oh thank you Herbs. thank you thank you for making for, uh, time for us today we appreciate it anytime so uh let's get to it man um you know you followed the a's back in the day you covered them i should say and a lot of changes are happening. Um, just your thoughts. You know Bob Melvin, him leaving the Oakland A's to go to the San, uh, San Diego Padres. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, it's a tough blow for, for A's fans for sure. And they've been, I mean, A's fans have been taking kidney punches for a long time. And Bob leaving, I didn't, when I first read that he had been there for 10 years, I was actually kind of surprised. It, it seemed like it went so fast, but. Mm. Uh, I was really blessed when I covered the A's. Not only was the clubhouse great, um, there was always 24 great guys in that clubhouse. And I think they had an unspoken rule. Can I swear on this? Yeah, go for it. Um, There had to be one asshole on the team every year. You can't have 25 great guys. So, like, David Justice was the designated asshole one year. Mark, (laughs) Mark Redmond was, like, the Biggest asshole I've ever met. Um, <laughs> was, 
Dude, I swear Mark Redman, man, he, he was pitching one day. I know this is way off what you asked me, but let's roll with no, it. No, go, no, go for it, man. Uh, he was pitching. Bobby Crosby was the shortstop at the yeah. time. And Redmond got the double play ground ball that he needed to get out of the inning. And but but Bobby bobbled the exchange. And so they did get out of the inning. And Mark Redmond turns around. This is the first game I ever took my two daughters to, right? We're sitting in the stands and I see it happening and I know what it what an a-hole Redmond is. And and I'm thinking, okay, how's he gonna react to this? He turns around to Crosby and goes. Puts his arms up in the air. It was a sold-out crowd. The A's never get sell-out crowds. It's a huge game. And he shows up Bobby Crosby on the field. Um, it was crazy. The next couple of days in the in the locker room, it was pretty clear he wasn't going to be around very long, and he wasn't. Um, I don't know if you guys have read my book, but I go after Redmond pretty yeah. good. I don't, go, I don't go after athletes hardly ever. Um but when they deserve it, I do. And Mark Redman was just a prick, man. <laughs> Who was the dude that used to bring up every show on Inside the Bigs? He used to say his name over and over and over again. Derek Burton, Derek Burton, Derek Burton, Derek yes. Burton. You say you don't go you say you don't go after guys, but you definitely went after that dude too. <laughs> that was more that was all in fun because no, I, I know, I know Ace fans couldn't stand Derek Burton. So that was yeah. just, you know, a few more kidney punches, but Derek Burton did provide one of the inadvertent highlights of my career, just seeing stuff that's going on. The first day he got called up to the big leagues, remember, he got traded. Mark Boulder got traded for him. So the word was from the A's, and the A's have always done a a much better job of hyping their prospects than the Giants for whatever reason. So the big thing was Derek Burton's the best hitter in minor league baseball, and and we just got him. He's going to be a star. And so it was kind of a veteran clubhouse, and they're kind of sick of hearing it. And I knew once Barton walked into the room, he was, you know, going to take some some s. Uh, Just say it, herbs. It's, it's all say good. It, herbs. It's all good, man. All right, you knew he was going to take some shit, right? The veterans Ooh. don't. The the veterans do not like cocky, and I mean that's the same in any sport. That's the same in any business, right? A newcomer, like, all right, let's see what this dude's about. Derek Barton decided to introduce himself to his new teammates in at Safeco Field in Seattle. In the clubhouse, he walks in. It's raining. He walks in wearing shades with white rims. Oh, boy. Anybody who wears shades with white rims who isn't from South Florida should be killed. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. South Florida, meth addicts. That's for you. Anyone else, that's not for you. <laughs> oh, man. So speaking of those types of teams, though, it seems like, you know, the A's in the in these past 10 years or whatever it's been since Bob Melvin's tenure, they, they've had a bunch of those guys who aren't a-holes. They're all pretty selfless. I mean, you know, you had the – I was just telling Derek with, uh, about this, but I think it was Billy Butler and Danny Valencia or, or something like that. Who oh, had my it out God. <laughs> Over shoes. Yeah. Was that over shoes? Oh, how long was he around for? Like two weeks? He was yeah, like, something exactly. like that. Yeah, and, but, but, uh, but I want to say it was stupid. Like they were over there fronting over like cleats or something. Oh boy. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I actually like the guy, but um, his job is not to be liked by reporters or anyone. It's to, it's to be productive <laughs> right. and 
get right. stuff done in the clubhouse. Um, but I, again, that's a great pull, man. I hadn't heard yeah. that word in a long time. Didn't they pay him? They paid him ridiculous money, didn't they? I think they paid him like a, I thought it was like a three year, $30 million deal or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like year. Yeah. If I, I remember correctly. Billy I Butler? Know. I don't remember that. As I don't know that was, no, I, he's definitely right. I think nice guy's definitely right. They paid him big money. And I yeah, think it was, it was right about, about the same dollars. Time I don't wow. that. They gave Ben Sheets $10 million for one year. Oh, my God. Um, and that was, I mean, you guys know how the A's operate. Yeah, when, right. when they pay a lot to get somebody, it's it's an eye-opener, and you're wondering, okay, what's up with that? Um, can you guys think of somebody that the A's paid, like, top dollar to that actually worked out for them? No. No. I mean, they got, when they were at their best, when I was when I was covering them, um, they would get guys like, I mean, Frank Thomas is a great example. Hmm. Um, it was another, like people who, who, who read Moneyball, they want to say, oh, this is, you know, it, it doesn't translate to the real world. He got lucky a couple times and me and Billy, um, people that don't understand that Moneyball was a business book with baseball as the backdrop. And mm-hmm. if you paid attention to it, it was all about, it wasn't all about on-base percentage and, and the things that got hyped up in that book. It was about exploiting weaknesses in the market. And Billy is very, very good at that. And one of the weaknesses in the market at the time was, hey, guys who are, you know, injury history and, and it's got a little age on them. Um, Billy figured out you could go get those guys. You don't have to pay top dollar. The guys that were just looking for a way to get kind of back into the spotlight. And then the big hurt comes. He should have won MVP that year, as far as I'm concerned. But they they brought in, you know, a few other veterans during my time there. And it, they were all really good booze. Um, again, Moneyball isn't just about on-base percentage. It's about exploiting market weaknesses and Billy is the best in baseball at it. He didn't, I mean, people valued on base percentage forever. And Billy's the first to admit that he's like, I didn't invent a wheel here, but he did invent a wheel and exploiting those markets. And and I'm sorry that I I know I didn't answer your question about Bob Melvin. Um, Like I was starting to say, I was super blessed to cover the three managers I covered Actually, four. Forgot Bob Guerin. So did everyone else. <laughs> um, uh, so I had Art Howe when I first started, and then I got Ken Maka. And I didn't really cover Bob on a regular basis. I covered Guerin on a regular basis. And then Bob replaced him. Um, Art, Ken, and Bob are three of the greatest men I have ever met. Yeah, I mean, just good, good dudes. And you look at all three of those guys, their records in Oakland, phenomenal. All three mm-hmm. of them were great managers. Art House should have never been jacked the way he was. Maka got fired and brought back like a day later. It was bizarre. I mean, covering that was a trip. You never had any drama with Bob, though. And that's why I appreciate him so much because he is he's almost like cut from the same cloth as Art Howe. One of Art's strengths was letting the clubhouse police itself, unless it got out of hand. 
And then Art would walk into the clubhouse, and because he had been letting them police the clubhouse, when he walked in, it was like, oh, my God, Dad's here. We better, we better clean it up. Because yeah. Art just didn't walk into the clubhouse very often. He walked in when there was a problem, when he was pissed, and he didn't even need to say anything. One time, I was actually in the clubhouse when he did it. He walked down the hall, stood at the entrance where everyone could see him, hands on hips and just and say, you ever gotten that look from your dad or your mom, just disappointment? Oh, and like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's the worst. And he didn't even have to say the words. Hands on hips, for one thing, is like a sign of, um, well, oftentimes it's a sign that you're struggling, but other times it's a sign that you're pissed. Mm. And it was, they knew that Art was pissed when he was pissed. Maka was the same way. Like I said, I didn't I didn't cover Bob on a regular basis, but um, Bob's mom, huge fan of Inside the Bigs, by the way. I, I don't know if you guys know this, but that's how I got close to Bob because I, I had him on the show a couple of times, yeah. and he knew – this is back when I was an administrator in nursing homes, just doing media part-time. Um, she called me and said, hey, I've got – you know." my boyfriend or common-law husband or something, he needs a long-term facility, you know, like like the one I run. And the one I ran and the way I ran it, it was not, um, and this sucks to say, but it's all about money. And they didn't have a lot of money. They had Medi-Cal, which pays minimum. Medicare pays maximum. And so I was kind of instructed not to, not to let in any of the the Medi-Cal patients. Well, Bob's mom's boyfriend or whatever he was, he was a Medi-Cal guy. Out of respect for Bob, I I, um, went to my bosses, I explained the thing, and I said, I'd like to accept them. And so I did, and he was there for quite some time before he passed away. And over that time, I got close to his mom, and I got even closer to Bob and got to you know, realize that first off, you talk to anybody's mom, you, you kind of get a feel for why the the offspring is the way they are. You know, right. parents, have, parents have a huge influence. And Bob Melvin is just, he's got such unassailable character and such integrity, and he's honest in everything. Um, I can't say enough about the man, and I'm really, really happy for him that he's going to San Diego. He's going to I mean, not that they has never had a chance to win, but they didn't. We know that. The Padres got a chance to do some things. And Bob Melvin deserves a ring for everything he's done in the game. I hope he gets one. And, and, and one and, – yeah, I got, a, I got the question, Derek. What, one Go thing, ahead and cut me off. <laughs> one thing I think that his parents have definitely taught him, one trait, is patience. Because mm-hmm. I know Billy Bean was the start of Moneyball, but also those trades that were being made ever since Bob Melvin was there were just – Everyone could admit it, it unanimously terrible. Like, everyone could admit that. I mean, how were you? Are you surprised that Bob Melvin lasted 11 years with the yes. A's? I mean, after yes. after five years, wouldn't you have just said, All right, look, you guys traded away my entire all star team. I'm gone. Bye bye. Uh oh, we lose him. There, you there. You got me? Yeah, we got you. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm sorry, Stephen. I didn't hear the tail end of what you said. Yeah, were you just surprised that he was there for as long as he was? Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, Maka by year three, he was done with it. And I remember the only time they got past the first round, you remember this? They beat uh, Minnesota in a series. Yep. Yes. 2006. Yeah, and that was without Huddy and Mulder. It was after they had been traded. And I remember that was kind of the beginning of the end, which is crazy because he's the only manager that got them, you know, to the ALCS. But he had been told, instructed, and, you know, I haven't verified this, but Ken's very honest. Billy had told him, I want some, I don't want Kotze in the starting lineup tonight. And this was at the Metrodome. And, Ken was pissed, man. He he talked about it the whole pregame. He had written a lineup without uh, without Kotze. And about 20 minutes before the game, I'm sitting with him in the dugout, and he stands up and he goes, fuck it. He actually said those words. He changed the lineup. He put Mark Kotze in the lineup where he belonged. And what did Mark Kotze do? You guys remember the game? I don't. In, no. inside, the, inside the park home run at the Metrodome. Oh, um, nice. Oh, no, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, it's, it's come back. Frank yeah. Thomas took Johan Santana deep, yep. and, wow. and Barry Zito pitched one of the games of his life in the, in the, in the oh, my God, worst stadium other than um, Tampa Bay. And <laughs> once Zito won that game, you're like, wow, this is different, because the Twins had knocked, the, the Twins had knocked the A's out, and there was a little bit of a, a rivalry building, and Johan Santana, I don't know if you guys remember that year, he was unbelievable. Yes. Um, I mean, he still has the best changeup I have ever seen. And he was dominant at home. He was undefeated at home. And the A's beat him. And they beat him in large part because Ken Marcus said, fuck it, I'm, I'm starting Mark Kotze. And it worked out great for him until he got fired. <laughs> So to that point, Herbs, you said that Bob Melvin's a great guy. Do you think he's going to be a hands-on manager with the Padres? And I asked that because before you hopped on, me and Steven were debating about some of the moves that Bob Melvin made in the past. And I was defending Bob by saying, that's not Bob's decision to make. That's Billy. And as you brought up with Ken Maka, you know, Billy makes a lot of those decisions. So I want to ask you, since you've been covering baseball and it's changed today a little bit, managers were more hands-on with the decisions made day in, day out, with the exception of A's managers because they were dealing with Billy. Do you think a lot of managers today are just given a lineup card and told what to do? No, I actually don't think that happens very often. I think, and, and in fact, one of the reasons I think Bob lasted as long as he did in Oakland, because Billy backed off from doing that type of thing. Um, Say what you want about Billy, but he is a really smart man, and smart people learn from their mistakes. And I think he knew he was, look, if, if we're going to be successful, I got to lay off, especially with a guy like Bob Melvin. And look at the way Bob ran the team and the young guys. You, you mentioned his patience. Yeah, he was he was phenomenally patient, but more than anything, he was he had like an empathy that really resonated with his players. Like if he was, I mean, you know, the A's were doing the whole, you know, reliever starting the game a couple times and 
their lineups were kind of wacky. And the thought was, well, okay, this is Billy's doing this. Billy's forcing Bob to do that. I don't think that was the case. I think at least from year three until the end with Bob, I think he's the, the lone manager under Billy's you know regime that actually called his own shots. I think he he illustrated to, to Billy that he understood what they were doing. He understood analytics. He was open um, to suggestions, but I, I don't think he was ever forced to do anything. And that's part of the reason he lasted so long. Man, I'm just looking back now on that 2006 season. And uh, what am I uh, – I don't know why I have this memory. I was 13 years old when this happened uh, in that season. But uh, I remember Ken Maka having to restrain Milton Bradley when he was going after a home plate. Yeah. Home and he gave him, like, the bear hug. I I, 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 you know, I remember Ken Maka would get a lot of crap. Like, you know, a lot of A's fans would talk mess about him, or maybe that was just – you know, the people I was, the the, the dads that in the right. little league that I was rolling with, you know, maybe it was with them. Uh, but like Ken Maka would, you know, bear hugged Milton Bradley yeah. when Bradley was going off. I'm just looking back on that now. September 22nd, 2006 is when that happened. <laughs> are, you, are you looking at the video? Is the video out there somewhere? No, I'm just looking at a photo right now. Dude, I, we got to find a video of it because it's, it's the single most, moment that's like seared into my brain from covering that team for 10 years. First off, Milton is the, and you know, mental health is, is big these days. I don't mean to make light of this. I, I've got some of those issues myself, but I think Milton was anybody who knew Milton at the time and knew anything about mental health knew that he was, I mean, back, back in the day, it was called manic depression. Now it's bipolar. And I, I mean, you could walk into the, every day. I'd walk into the clubhouse. All you needed to do is look at Milton and you knew which Milton you were going to deal with today. If it was good Milton, he was so smart and so insightful and so nice and so funny. I mean, this dude was the kind of guy that you love to hang out with. And, and like I'd interview him for a half an hour for a long-term piece and we're vibing and he gives me the bro hug at the end, and I'm walking out going, oh, my God, I just got, you know, I take pride in, I just call them getting getting guys, you know. Um, and you have to do that if you're working a clubhouse. you got to get guys in your favor, guys that are in your corner, guys that understand that you're trustworthy and all that. I walked out going, oh, my God, I got Milton Bradley. I, I thought that would be impossible. The next day, I walk up to him, and it was like, he didn't know me. He basically told me F off. And I walked out going, okay, so I don't have Milton Bradley, I guess. Right. And then the next day he comes up and like hugs me. What's up? You know, I'm like, okay, there's two Miltons. I have one Milton. I don't have the other Milton. Wow. <laughs> Ken had both Miltons. Ken, when he did that, he, look, Ken was a big dude. People don't realize this. He was a big, strong guy. He was a major, you know, he's a, a, a professional. I forget if he made the major leagues. I know he played in Japan. And he was a hero in Japan. But anyway, a barrel-chested, you know, catcher. And Milton was about to flip out, and Maka ran out. And not only did he bear hug him, he lifted him off the ground. It was like watching a cartoon. When somebody gets lifted off the ground, let me get my fingers into this somehow. <laughs> you know, they're like, here it is. Their feet are like dangling. 
And yeah. Milton was like, and then he turns while Ken's still holding him. And Ken told me this. Milton said, let me go and I'll never do it again. <laughs> so Ken kind of took a couple steps towards the dugout with Milton Bradley in tow. And Milton whispers in his ear, I'm good. Let me go. It won't happen again. And that's when Ken, you know, dropped him for lack of a better yeah. word. But I will never forget the feet dangling as Ken's <laughs> lifting him up. And I don't think Milton will ever forget that either. Oh, man. Now, you were talking about that you got or you had Milton Bradley. Three guys that you definitely had were the big three. You wrote your book on it. Mark Mulder, Tim Hudson, and Barry Zito when you covered the A's back in the early 2000s. Talk a little bit about your relationship with those guys. Are you still close with them today? And just what was it like covering those guys at the top of their power? Um. It was phenomenal covering them. I mean, three out of, I say three out of five days, they actually, for me, like they had guys like Corey Lytle, who was a stud when he was with the A's. Hmm. It seemed like they always had, I mean, you knew when Hudson Moldrezito went out there. I mean, imagine they were all in, in their prime at the same time. Um, part of the reason I wrote the book, because they were all close to the same age, having the same success level, their backgrounds uh, or, or their draft status. You know, they were all pretty high draftees. But they were so different in the, not just their pitching styles, but in their personalities. And that's what drew me to them. That's what I wanted to highlight in the book. Um, I wanted it to be a, a book about pitching. The publisher, as you can tell by the cover, it's green and gold. And um, I thought there was too much A's on it, you know. But you don't have that choice of an author. I, you know, anybody, any aspiring author that's listening to this, don't think your book title is ever going to survive, and don't think you're going to have any say in the cover. Because my my working title was um, three of a kind, and then parentheses sort of, and the cover I had <laughs> was going to be three ace cards, right? With and in the middle of the cards, the guy's faces. I mean, does that sound dope, right? It's yeah, that's, that's, that's a great cover. It's great. But it got banged and, and whatever. You know, they're the ones spending all the money. Um, but, yeah, knowing when you go into a series, you you knew that all three of the guys were pitching. Uh, I remember there were a couple of times MLB.com didn't give us many days off, but I had been, I had been grinding for a while. And my boss called and said, hey, you can take tonight off. And I'm like, no. And he said, why? And I said, because Tim Hudson's pitching, and I don't want to not be there. I mean, it was just because he was pitching. And I would have said the same thing if it was Mulder or if it was Ito. It was just – it was three dudes who were on, I mean, legit Hall of Fame trajectories when when they were early with the A's. Um, you know, the great disappointment is those three never got to the next round. Um, but, Stephen, as you mentioned, that, that 2016 – you know, yeah. it was a lot of fun, and they were really good. That wasn't the best A's team, no. which is crazy. That's that's Certainly the one that made it the farthest. But, my God, the 2000 team, the 2001, 2002, when you had, like, Giambi and Miggy winning back-to-back, um, it wasn't just about, you know, the big three. They were fantastic. They were fun to watch. But you got Jason Giambi, Jermaine Dye. I mean, just stars everywhere. Johnny Damon, um, everyone, you know came in for a year or two and it was awesome. And, 
A's fans, you know, they, they didn't pack the house, but as you hear all the time, they're 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 small but super loyal. And I remember some nights from there, it was like 15,000 people at the Coliseum, and it sounded like they're 35. They got that place rocking, and they rocked for the big three. That's why I wrote the book. And if you're looking for that book, it's called Aces, The Last Season on the Mound with the Oakland A's Big Three, Tim Hudson, Mark Mulder, and Barry Zito. It is available on Amazon.com, as I just searched it up. Longest <laughs> title in the world. <laughs> Read it again. Read the title again. Aces, <laughs> The Last Season on the Mound with the Oakland A's Big Three, Tim Hudson, Mark Mulder, and Barry Zito. There are two and, colons in that one. And you wanted to call the what herbs? Three of a kind and in parentheses. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. yeah that's that's, that's I, better. I highlighted in the book, you know, that um, they're not similar in terms of where they came from in the country, right. uh, how they were raised, all of that. But again, they they were all in a very similar space there. But yeah, that 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 book title, I mean, <laughs> you could have stopped at Oakland's big three, right? Yeah, you, could you didn't need to put their, you didn't need to throw six more words in there. Everybody knew who Oakland's big three was at the time. Anyway, that's yeah. But well, bro, oh, sorry. What? I was going to follow up by saying, uh, "How did you get so close to those guys?" Herbs. Yeah, there you go. If you're still there, Herbs. you got us. You just glitched in a huge. You just glitched in a huge, huge way. Can I hear that again? We are yeah. back. So uh, you talked about covering the, the big three, but how did you get, I mean, like I remember doing inside the bigs and those guys came on all the time and I want to say they're still close with you. How did you get so close with the big three? Uh, it started with Eric Helios. I don't know if you guys remember him. He was like a number five starter in 2001. Big dude. Um, super cool guy. He, basically became my running partner. And he was the first person um, in my career. And this was, I, I owe a big chunk of my career to Eric Helios because he basically, you know, we were vibing in an interview, cracking each other up. And he says, Hey, you want to go out tonight? I'm like, yeah, dude, you might take some shit from your teammates being out with a reporter. And he said something that, that I've repeated a number of times. And he goes, bro, if we were both plumbers, Working in the same space, we could go hang out together, right? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know shit about plumbing, but where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I like you. You obviously like me. We're friends. We work in the same environment. S screw the unwritten rules because I've been schooled in the unwritten rules. Don't become friends with your subjects. Yes. That night, Eric and I went out and he changed my perspective completely on that. And he's like, bro, guys in the clubhouse are dying for a reporter they can trust, dying for somebody that doesn't want something from them every time they approach. From that point forward, I made a point of not just me doing it, but I would, you know, teach my interns to do it. Half of your time walking up to players at the clubhouse needs to be done with no recorder in hand, no notebook in hand, and you're... All you're doing is going to have a conversation. And before you do that, check the media guide, read everything you can about them, try to let, you know, relate to them as people. Like, you know, Mark Ellis was from one of the Dakotas. And 
you know, he had, he had never really been in a big time environment like that. He went to Florida. That's big time, but baseball is not huge. But when he, he got to Oakland, he was one of the guys. Eric Hillius said, Mark Ellis, he's open to it. You know, he'll be your friend. And that's kind of funny to me. So I went and started talking to Mark and he's a great guy. And yeah, he became a friend of mine, but Eric got sent down to the minors maybe a couple of weeks after that. He was up and down from the minors, you know, his whole career. Um, and the A's were just about to go on a road trip. And I knew that Eric was really good friends with Zito. And so Eric's gone. And the first night of the road trip after the game, I'm in the clubhouse. I think it was Detroit. And Zito comes up to me and says, hey, bro, Hilly says you're a hell of a wingman and I should hang out with you now that he's not here. <laughs> I need a new baseball best friend. You want to try out? Try out. Okay, sure. <laughs> we went out and had what we called a scotch night. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but scotch is a different. Oh, yeah. It's a different, it's a different type animal. of animal. Oh, my yeah. God. And uh, somehow the night ended up, and I don't have the picture, but it was back at my apartment, my hotel which was closer to where we had ended the night than where the players were staying. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night to take a leak in my hotel and Zito's asleep in my bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that was like, as strange as it sounds, that was what unlocked a whole lot of things for me, not the vision of Zito in the bathtub fully closed. (laughs) But the, the Zito, he gave me credibility in the clubhouse because I know that when we first started hanging out, he heard from teammates a lot. Like, yep. for that, that. Still there? Zito's nope. like, no, yeah, you got me. No, yeah, we got you, sir. And by the way. Okay. You didn't. You didn't offend Stephen or anything. He just had some technical difficulties, but he'll be back on the stream here. Okay. Yeah. I just I noticed that he was gone. Come on, there he is. There he is. Hi. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, Continue your story here. Sorry about that. So that led to um, Barry was really good friends with Eric Burns. Ah, um, uh, Burnsy. Yeah, he's awesome. And and I I got Eric pretty quickly. I mean, he's he's an easy get. He's a cool guy. Yeah. Next was uh, was Huddy, because Barry was really good friends with Tim. And I think Tim was a little bit reluctant at first when Barry said, hey, I'm going out with Herbs. You want to hang out? Um, in fact, I know he was reluctant. And Barry kind of said, dude, give him a chance. You know, he, he's a good guy. And that's all you need, really, is to, is to get a chance. And if you don't burn anybody... They will respect you, and you'll be able to get them. I remember Marco Scudero made four errors in one game. And you can either write that Marco Scudero made four errors in a game, or you could write that Marco Scudero did his best Edward Scissors hands impression <laughs> in the game. I didn't do that. I thought it. I definitely thought it. But I'm like, I think saying he made four errors is – bad enough you know everybody gets it that he sucked that day and marco came up to me the next day we had never really had a great conversation 
his English back at the time was still a little bit broken. And he walked up and instantly gave me the bro hug, you know. I'm like, what's that about? And he goes, I, I appreciate you being kind in your article. And I went and looked in the clips and pretty much everybody threw their version of Edward Scissor's hands yeah. into the copy. And all I said was Marco Scudero made a franchise, you know, unfortunate franchise record breaking four <laughs> errors. Just yeah. tell people the facts. If if somebody sucked, they'll know. And I took a lot of criticism. People thought I was easy on Barry, which is ridiculous because Barry had to be a, Barry remains one of my best friends. He might be my best friend. Um, we talk four or five times a week. You know, we've gotten closer um, since we both kind of left baseball. Yeah. Um, and it's just about just be kind, you know, and I know sports writers might think that, but these guys just want somebody – who understands that what they do is really, really hard. And I think the fact that I played D1 baseball and I made sure, I made sure to let these guys know, you know, and it was, it was totally self-serving. I wanted them to know that I had played at a fairly high level. I know how hard it is. And I think they respect that. And I think my size was another thing. You know, a lot of people in clubhouses are pretty small. So I'd always stand at the back when you're doing the you know the semicircle around the athlete after the game. And I remember after about three three weeks on the job, one of the other beat writers came up to me and said, Did you notice that every player is looking at you the whole time to answer <laughs> a question from the group? And I'm like, dude, it's just because I'm tall and I'm behind you guys. And there's a clock over my head. I mean, literally, there's always like a clock over my head. And I said, they're, they're just checking the time. But it, it became apparent pretty quickly that I was going to do this job differently. I'd never done this job before. And I found a way that I thought worked. And it did. But, you know, I mean, Susan Slusser is a good friend of mine now. The best. But, it, but at the time, um, she hated me. Uh, mm -hmm. She hated the way I did my business. It was because she had never had to compete before. Nobody else. If, if a story broke on the Oakland A's for a good long time, it was broken by Susan Slusser. Mm -hmm. And then here I come, and all of a sudden I start breaking stuff. And it basically became a 50-50 thing. Susan had the, club, uh, had the uh, front office wired, and she knew Billy. Billy knew how to work her. She knew how to work Billy. So if there was a scoop that came out of the front office, it was Susan's. More often than not, if it came out of the clubhouse, it, it was mine. And it was because, you know, I did my job differently. And I went out with these guys and I befriended them and treated them like normal human beings. And uh, which reminds me of a Mar another Mark Redmond story that you guys will love. <laughs> We're in New York City. Huddy rents a limo because he had pitched that day and pitched well and they beat the Yankees. He rents a limo and we're just going to go out on the town in Manhattan. And he invites me. So I'm in the limo with pretty much the whole rest of the pitching staff and maybe a couple other guys. And we're vibing, you know, we're drinking. And I feel, you could kind of feel when somebody's like on you, right? Staring at you and mean mugging you. And I'm like, 
Mark Redmond's being mugging me, man. What's up? We go to this club. We get the VIP. We're in a huge, uh, what do you call them? Bank heads, right? Mm. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Jay-Z. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we're in a huge bank head. And I'm sitting next to H- Huddy's on my right. Zito's on my left. Mark Redmond is across the table from me. And he's still just being mugging me the whole time. And finally, Huddy goes, Mark, what's up, dude? You want to fight Herb? (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, no, I'm just wondering why the fuck you guys trust him. He could bury all of us tomorrow. And Huddy just smiled and shook his head. And he said, I got so much more shit on Herb than he has on me. (laughs) 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 And he was right, man. I was a mess back then. But my philosophy was if um, if it didn't affect – if it happened off the field and it doesn't affect what's on the field, I'm not writing about it. If a guy gets DUI and has to miss a game or whatever, yeah, I'll write about that. But if I just walk into a oh – an after-hours underground club in Seattle <laughs> – <laughs> and see Terrence Long smoking a blunt before he hands it to a reporter on the beat. I have nothing. I have no problem with that, dude. <laughs> T Long, I got I got good with T Long because something similar to that did happen, and he waited two days. He thought for sure I was going to bury him. Right? He yeah. was near the league. He had come from the Mets organization where the media is crazy. So I think that whole night he was like, oh, my God, the reporter dude saw me. Um, I was always, at the time, I was mostly close to pitchers. I hadn't got many of the position players yet. Terrence is reading the clips for a couple of days, thinking that, like, I'm going to bust him or out him or something. And, of course, I never did. And so the last day of that, oh, man, I probably shouldn't say this. So your audience is going to be going, say it. Uh, the what last audience. Go ahead. It's just, it's just us three. Go say it. The last night of that trip to Seattle, the underground, you know, it was a, it was a cool bar at night, but at two o'clock they shut down. All the players stay and we go downstairs, downstairs to this lair. And it had been a couple of days since I saw T long doing what he was doing. And I think he'd spoken to a couple of the players. And they're like, you don't, you don't need to worry about her. I walk down, and the first person I see is Terrence. And I'm like, dude, you got any weed? <laughs> and this is why it's funny. He reaches into his front pocket. It's not in a baggie. It's not in tinfoil. It's just a bunch of butt in his pocket, right? <laughs> so he gives me some and stuffs the rest of it back in his pocket. And from that day on, like, T. Long and I were the best, man. I love that guy. He's nice, um, a really cool dude. He was the first position player that I really got. And we started talking, played pool and all that stuff. He invited me out one night. Jermaine uh, Dye was was with him. He, he helped me get Jermaine. The guys that I got were mostly because other players referred me. It, it, I don't know if that sounds weird, but it was a it was a different way of doing the job for sure, and it, it rubbed some of my colleagues the wrong way. But 
they don't pay my bills. They don't sign my checks. I'm going to do what works for me. And that worked all the way up to, I mean, to now. I When I was doing some stuff for The Athletic, I, I got um, Matt Chapman. He was easy to get because he's young and he's in the big leagues and I know how to do it. But I'm still doing that approach when I cover sports now. You know, people want to be treated. Athletes want to be treated not like, okay, what do you need from me this time? How are you going to criticize me this time? Anything that's remotely positive in a clubhouse that's on the side of things that they are taught to consider negative, which is the media, they're starving for that. And, and I found once I transitioned over to, to CSN and started covering the Giants clubhouse, which is way different, very, very different than the A's clubhouse, or at least initially. Um, but eventually it loosened up and Zito was on the team. So Matt Cain, I got very quickly and Matt Cain helped me get Madison Baumgartner. And it's like, I am going to write a, a book someday about my career and expand all on all this stuff. But like I said, I, I was really blessed to cover a ton of great guys, man. I mean, that, that Giants team, I don't know if you remember in spring training at, at the end of spring training, 2010, I predicted on the air that they were going to win the World Series. And that was crazy. It was a stretch. But I never, I had never seen a clubhouse. I just got back from spring training. Never saw a clubhouse get that tight that quick. Even in Oakland. Oakland was a phenomenal clubhouse. I mean, Jason Kendall and Mark Kotze, two of the, I mean, they were incredible to cover. I get to San Francisco. I had done some things in San Francisco when Bonds was there. And the clubhouse sucked. And it was old and you had to tiptoe around. But by the time I got there, they were just, they were back to being kind of a young team mm. and having a blast. And it was a reach. I mean, that they won the World Series, what are the odds? It made me look good. Yeah. Um, but I did, I did believe that. I felt that when I said it because it was not about the talent they had on the field. Every Major League Baseball team has a lot of talent. Not every team has 25 guys who dig each other and they show up to work happily and they'll stay late after work. You don't see that in business. You don't see that in any real industry. I mean, in, in yeah. what the three of us do or are trying to do. Yeah, you make friends in the industry, but for the most part, there's not a ton of, you know, just hanging out. And yeah. there's value in that. I, I think that, you know, when, when I when I left media and um, started working at, as an administrator in a nursing home, I had a staff of like 125, and I had been an employee for about 15 years at that point and had, you know, witnessed the type of things that I saw transpire in the clubhouse and relationships. And any business is about building relationships and trust. And I kind of applied that model to my job in the nursing home. And also, you know, with my staff saying, just encouraging them to find out about the person that you're caring for. Just let them know that they're not just a number or a face or a stat line. Um, and, I, and I still think to this day that that will resonate with players. Anybody who's getting started in this business, first off, why are you doing it right now? Stop it. Go to plan B. Um, but, but if you're going to be insistent, um, 
then I hope I, I hope I hope that at some point that's the way that becomes more of a regular thing because it used to be back in the day, like way back in the day when I don't know if you guys remember Ron Bergman. He covered the Dynasty A's in the seventies. Okay, he, he passed away a few years ago, but when he came up, you you were on the team plane. You were on the team train, if that was the case. You were in the team hotel. You were in the bar when the players were in the bar. And back then, it was like, we're in this together, which is why you never heard about Mickey Mantle being an absolute stone-cold alcoholic until he was done playing and broken down. That dude walked into that clubhouse a million times, just destroyed. And everybody knew it, but nobody wrote about it because it was, we're all in this together. Mm. With the proliferation of media outlets over the years, it became more of a us against you. You no longer fly with your team. You no longer, um, well, you can get a room in the team hotel, but their team hotels are always five star. And if you're a reporter, chances are your company is not going to let you pay for it. Um <laughs> I still managed to finagle my way into the Seattle Ritz, though. That was a, that was a great hotel. Um, I lost my train of thought, but it, it, it's just, like I said, I hope that that's the way people do business going forward, and, and it's not yeah. just reporting. It, it's just in life, man. It's got to be so different though, now with social media, too. Like the yeah. fact that we have such a – I don't know, such a portal to these guys' lives. Like they're more than just athletes. They're, it's almost more, it, it, in a weird way, social media has almost humanized these guys a little mm-hmm. more as opposed to what it used to be, which is, you know, kind of, they, they were almost gods in a way, at least when I was a kid. Right. Know? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, and I think, look, but like I was getting, um, I remember what I was talking about, Mickey Mantle and all that. Jason Giambi, you know, a few other guys, they were known to come into the clubhouse the day after, and it was clear they were not quite fit to play. And one time Jason came up to me and said, dude, I'm wrecked, man. How do I keep this from blank? You know, a certain reporter. Right. And I'm like, I got you, man. You know, we're good. And, you know, Jason is the biggest get at the time, you know, you can't get bigger with the A's than Jason Giambi was. Nope. And that was one of the reasons I got Jason because he knew that I knew he wasn't fit to play, but he knew I didn't write about it. Yeah. And I tried to, I think in my own little world, I was back in the day and I had, you know, before Ron passed away, a lot of veteran reporters, they have, you know, I appreciate it so much when they came up to me and said, don't worry about what the younger colleagues are doing. You're doing it right. That will pay off. Bill King said that to me one day in an elevator. And I thought, okay, well, if these old heads are okay with it, then, then let's go with it. And the older I get thinking back to how could you do that job if the players don't trust you and they don't like you, you're never going to get a good interview. I mean, why are you even there? You should be fired. I mean, I mean that. If I'm if I'm ever running a sports department and my reporter can't get the top three guys on that team for one-on-one interviews or 
say I'm a program director at a radio station and I've got somebody who has covered this team. If you can't get those guys on the air, you suck. You're gone. Um, I don't know if it's ever going to change to that landscape, but it has changed a little bit and I'm hopeful for that. And I'm hopeful for it because as you said, Stephen, social media has humanized these guys. Yeah. Um, Reporters could humanize these guys even more so. Yeah. Uh, because social media, a lot of time, is, you know, it's run by the players themselves. And a lot of times they're not all that savvy, um, which is why you see a lot of deleted tweets. You know what I mean? But oh, there's uh, one. I think when you, <laughs> you want to turn that off, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. Um, I lost my train of thought again. Jeez. No, no, you're all good, man. You're you're going a full Sean Estes on us today with the the long responses. <laughs> oh my god! I was just thinking that. I was literally thinking that after my last answer. I'm like, oh my god, they they should have put the Estes timer on me. That's great stuff, man. That's inside the bigs. That's inside inside the big stuff. Oh yeah. Right there. We used to have a timer for how long Sean Estes was uh, given a response to an answer. (laughs) If you had Sean, and I love Sean to this day. Great guy. Great guy. Great dude. And part of the reason he's so great is because he doesn't just throw his credentials on the desk and say, I'm here. He wants to actually be a broadcaster and and wants to to learn from it. But, yeah, I remember I think you were producing, Derek, and it was the first time I said to him on the air, Dude, we're gonna start putting a clock on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the next time he came on, it was the next week. And before he answered the first question, he goes, "All right, start your clock." <laughs> <laughs> One of the reasons I loved him, and I think we had him for fifteen minutes, and I asked two questions. Well, it was not only that; it was his his responses took a long time. If you know Sean Estes, great guy, he's deathly afraid of elevators, and he had a bad experience back in the day. And every time he would come in studio, he, he wanted to do the show in person with you if he was doing Giants pre and post right. over at NBC. So he would come over, ride his bike, and he wouldn't want to take the elevator up. So he would ask, hey, can your producer, Derek, come meet me and go up the stairs with me? And it was always like, you know, Sean Estes is a built dude in great shape. And, you know, I'm working in radio, just eating crap all the time. You're so not. we're just. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Thank you, Stephen. So we're walking up the stairs together, and he's just like, you know, having a full conversation with me, and I'm just like huffing and puffing. And he's like, you don't do this all the time. You should take the stairs every day. I'm like, yeah, I don't have time to do that, Sean. <laughs> but well, we were on like the 12th floor or something. Right? We, we, we were at the very top, yeah. yeah. Remember when they had to shut the elevators down for like oh. a couple of weeks, and we had yeah. to take the stairs? I do remember that as well. It was the oh, worst. God, I, I had to like get there an hour before I had planned to get there just to get up to Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, Herbs, you talked about, you know, kind of ruffling some feathers with the other reporters back in the day covering the A's. And there were some reporters that respected you, some that, you know, didn't like the fact that you were getting so close to the players. But I'm reading this guy's book right now. Actually, it's not his book, but it's a guy that wrote about him. And you know him for back in the day covering baseball. He said that it was always important to get close to the players so you really get to know them so you can write about them and their life. And that guy is Pedro Gomez, unfortunately passed away earlier this year. But I just want to talk about, you know, your experience with Pedro Gomez and, um, yeah, just covering baseball with the guy. Dude, you just gave me goosebumps because Pedro was one of the first old heads to come up to me and say, keep doing what you're doing. 
you know. I hadn't read what you just read, Derek, but that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, Pedro could get anybody. Um, and he, he started out as a writer, like most people that end up on radio and TV do. And he was kind of like, I before I before I started covering big time sports, I was familiar with Pedro Gomez, and I I was all, always struck by. I mean, I didn't know that he had gotten that guy to to come on camera. All I saw was what was on camera, and what I saw on camera was a chemistry that you rarely see between media and athletes because it is so us against them. It's gotcha. Um, Pedro didn't play that. I, um, it's funny you're saying the reason I got the goosebumps is I think a damn Pedro might be one of the big reasons I I was the way I was inadvertently because I always respected him and I always I, I watched a lot of interviews you know as I was coming up I wanted to learn about everything in the business you know who makes a good interview who asks a good question Pedro always did and the players always respected him and they always gave him time and they always gave him great answers. And I think that had a huge impact on me. And so subconsciously, you know, like I said, I'm glad you pointed that out, Zeke. Um, I do, you know, Pedro for that. I think he was a big part of it, man. He's just a great guy um, to everyone, not just players because that's a little bit self-serving, right? But with other media members, which is not self-serving in any way, it's competition. But every person in every camp that he went to go cover liked Pedro. Uh, he was just a super likable guy, but at the same time, not so likable that like, okay, he's cool with the players. He doesn't have any credibility. No, it gave him more credibility. He was he was just awesome. He was huge loss. And he was, he was one of those guys where, you know, I'd, seeing him on TV. And then when I actually got involved in the business, you hear stories about him and, you know, just hear that everything you think about him is, is true, which is, which is really nothing but good things. And change um, my diapers. Wow. Really? No, I'm kidding. But he, he, he did babysit me and he was just a, it wouldn't be surprising. It feels like there's been a lot of just sports media people randomly who have changed your diapers previously before. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jim Barnett, but we won't go down that road. Um, but yeah, uh, Pedro Gomez, uh, I'm going to top all of you, right? Yeah. Go for it. One of my greatest childhood memories is playing Nerf basketball in my bedroom with Bill Cartwright. Deep voice, Bill Cartwright? Dude, you know, Bill was at USF. My dad yeah. played at USF as well. Um, and my dad taught night school at USF when he was done. And when the Dons were like, they were top five for a few years, right? I mean, they were really, really good. And we had those players. My dad taught a lot of those players because athletes would get, okay, here's a former athlete who's a teacher who gets it, supports the program. I'm not saying my dad let people skate. That's not in, in his character. Um, but all the players took his classes. And so he got to know the players. And I was babysat by Bill Cartwright a couple of That's times. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, that, Playing Nerf basketball with him, I mean, it was, it was so cool. To, <laughs> to grow up with USF basketball was cool. I mean, yeah. we we were there all the time. And fast forward from, I think Bill left. 
He got drafted by the Knicks in '79. I think he was a first. He was a first rounder. Correct. He was. I mean, people remember him as a bull and being just okay. You know, fit fit the the program there really well. But he was an all star. You know, he was. A, I think he was rookie of the year. He was really really good. You know, at one point in time, they had Ewing and Bill Cartwright. You know, obviously, yeah. you don't need two frontline centers and. Ewing was better than Bill, but Bill had a great run, you know, in, in Chicago. But fast forward to 2000, the Olympics. I'm on site in Salt Lake City um, where the Jazz play was going to be the venue for the ice skating. And so the Jazz had to go on like a three-week three, three roadie. But before they did, they played the Bulls. And I was in town. Uh, NBC, which, I mean, if you were with NBC at the Olympics, dude, you could get away with anything. I mean, as long as you had this badge that had the peacock, you could get into anywhere. You could get into ski resorts and get free free lift tickets as long as you had the NBC peacock, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm relatively young and I'm a mess, and so I'm power of the cock, power of the cock. <laughs> but I used the power of the cock to get into the salt palace a couple of hours early, right? And yeah. so everybody is on the floor. I'm about five rows from the floor, and I hear in that inimitable voice, is that Mikey Gordon Urban? <laughs> and it's Bill. And he waves me over, and it's like, first up, he always called me Mikey Gordon, right? Play on my first name. My middle name is Gordon, which to me speaks to what a different dude he is, you know, and that he that he remembered me. I mean, my God, the last, he hadn't seen me in like 10 years, which would, I guess, equate to, for me, like 50 pounds, 60 pounds. I was, I was not the guy that he was used to seeing, certainly not the kid, but he recognized me instantly called me over, we chopped it up, and uh, he was the one that reminded me. Remember when I was a rookie in New York and you guys came out to play? He got us front row seats at the Garden, back when the Garden was popping, man. Oh, yeah. And, and Bill had a really good game. Um, definitely my favorite, my second favorite in-person basketball moment. Um, the first one, you know what? Ask me what the first one is, so I'm not Sean Estes's. What's the first one? <laughs> First one was the Tournament of the Americas. The 1992 Dream Team had to play in a qualifying tournament. They had to qualify for the Olympics. The qualifying tournament was the Tournament of the Americas in Portland. Smallest NBA arena at the time, right? Yeah. Me and my backup center at Kenyatta College, um, we wanted to go. You had to enter like a lottery to get tickets. We won. We bought tickets to all seven games. We had a friend up there. Um, we got <clears throat> we got you know decent hotel room. But more than that, we got to watch the dream team seven times, a couple of times from the first row. It was like nobody knew this was going on. I thought it was gonna be a madhouse. And it only had like for most games, there was maybe eight thousand people. I'm like mm. Jordan Magic and Bird, why is this place that, you know? Um, 
I don't know if you remember the name Oscar Schmidt. He was um, Brazil's Michael Jordan. And mm. I, I was really eager to watch him play. U.S. played Brazil. Oscar went for 40, man. He lit the dream team up. And, <laughs> but the dream team killed everybody. And I was just a huge, huge Larry Bird fan. Had only seen him play once. He didn't play a lot in the tournament because it's back issues. But, man, watching from that close, that team. Um, and then one of the nights I got, we got to hang out with him. We told Barkley that we played for Canada, and he bought it. <laughs> so, I mean, my, my buddy's 6'9". I'm 6'7". He bought it. And he's like, let me buy you guys a beer. <laughs> and we partied with Chuck that whole night. I mean, just fantastic dude. He must have had 20 Budweiser's. I mean, the dude shrank like a fish. At one time, we're at the bar. He's on my right, and I'm turned talking to him. And he says, Michael, keep looking at me. Do you trust me? I'm like, I just met you. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. He goes, okay, this is where I'm going to earn your trust. Keep looking at me. I want you to put your left hand out as far as it can go without looking, right? He, he's on this side. He's telling me to do this. Just before I get full extension, I kind of think, this is Charles Barkley, man. He's about to get me beat up. And I stop and I look, and I'm this far away from palming the back of Jordan's head. <laughs> he was going to have me palm Jordan's head. Did you? Ask kick a guy would have taken. And when I pulled my hand back, it was like it was so close. Jordan felt the wind. <laughs> and he like turns and he goes, looks right through me and goes, What's up, Chuck? And she goes, Nothing. And so Jordan leaves like shortly after that. Um, and he came back 15 minutes later. I don't know what he did for 15 minutes. He left with a woman. Do the math. Um, but when he came back, almost the whole team came back. And so, you know, me and my buddy are just in heaven partying with the dream team. And I remember there's one girl uh, I was on the dance floor with, and I'm thinking, I'm styling, man. I'm you know, I'm good tonight. I'm going to score. <laughs> next, next thing you know, I've got Charles Barkley literally boxing me out. I mean, that dude. People say he, he was 6'6". Six, six. He was not 6'6". Six, six. He was like 6'4", tops. But, I mean, he had the, the strongest legs, and I found out the biggest ass I had ever seen because he just <laughs> moved me out of the way and danced with this girl. And, like, 20 minutes later, he grabs the back of my head, his other hand just holding on to the hand of the hot chick that he boxed me out of. And he said, wow. have a good night. I'll see you at the tournament. Next day. There, Charles and, and Mullen, Chris Mullen, who's a type A personality. Yeah. Mullen does not miss practice. He doesn't miss buses, nothing. But he, he was buddies with Charles, and Charles was a bad influence on him. So they missed the bus to, to practice. And so they're standing out there waiting for a cab. And I'm there, and my buddy Rob is there because we wanted to see the whole dream team. And the night before... Charles had told me about a Nike outlet store that had these cool, they were like hammer pants back when those were cool. And they were cool. never, they were never cool. Let's face oh, it. hammer pants. They were cool on Barkley though. And it was cool that he told us where it was. Yeah. And so I went and I bought those pants 
And of course, you know, I'm like a little kid, first day of school, I'm wearing the pants the next day. Charles walked out and out of the corner of his eye, he sees me and he looks down and he says, I see you found the outlet. And I said, yeah. And he goes, Canada, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the round mound of rebound. Oh my God. He's the best. <laughs> he, he really was. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard the story about him. He had a really super tight relationship with this like Asian toilet maker or something. And it's like the guy, when the guy passed away, Charles Barkley shows up at, at, at the funeral and the family's like, why is Charles here? They didn't even know he had a relationship with him. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how Chuck was. I think that's why he's so popular. He's very much, very much the everyman that, that you kind of want your athletes to be, you know? I mean, Chuck was second, third best player in the world at the time, but completely, yeah. completely approachable. Um, I mean, he'll, he'll get in your ass and, you know, chop you up, but it wasn't malicious. It was just Chuck. He's just having a good time. And I was, um, I, I'm, I'm stoked that I got to experience that up close. Yeah. Very different than the guy that's on TNT. Um, he was very close with my, uh, dad's brother, my uncle, uh, uh Gary Papa, who used to cover, uh, Philadelphia sports mm. and, uh, they were very close. They would hang out all the time. And there's the guy that you see on TV that says all this stuff and says ridiculous things. And then there's the guy that, you know, every time he would come on with my pops to do an interview, just say, give my best to, you know, uh, the, you know, the family because Gary passed away. But just just the nicest guy. And we lost Stephen for some reason. I don't know where Stephen went. I think my answer was too long. You went to eat a clock. <laughs> yeah. It's well, just your opinion, man. It just, yeah. I can't believe it took me this long to make the big Lebowski connection. Oh, my God. I'm a dummy. <laughs> Uh, real quick, Herbs. Uh, we we just scratched the surface, man. Um, Steven's back. Sorry. Um, so uh, we just scratched the surface, man. There's so much to talk to you about, and we're going to have you on again to talk more about it. But there just real go. quick to close things up, one of your best segments all time on Inside the Bigs. We used to play it all the time. Was good for ball, bad for ball. So I just want to give you some some topics, and you let me know if it's good for ball or bad for ball. You ready? I love it. Yeah, let's go. Let's get okay, it. Here we go. Yes. Universal DH. Good for ball or bad for ball? Bad for ball. Come on. <laughs> Look, the reason the World Series used to be so much more exciting is because there was a division, right? Yeah. They played baseball a different way than we played baseball. We never saw that league when we get to the World Series. They're strangers. You know, the Dodgers didn't face Reggie Jackson before he hit three bombs in a game. They didn't see him that year. Yeah. Um, Scouting wasn't advanced back then. It's super advanced now. It's just, it's all one league. It's becoming all one league. I think interleague has been a bad thing. I liked it when it first started, but I've grown to dislike it. I think there's maybe a place for it. It'd be hard to do, but if you could somehow limit it to just the real rivalries in baseball, Mets, Yankees, A's, Giants. Um, yeah. White like Sox Cubs. I'm cool with that. But I remember Seattle got like paired with Toronto or something like that. It's like, that's not a regional rivalry. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it, it'd be really tough to schedule, but definitely bad for ball, Universal DH. Don't want to see it. Uh, Braves, Astros, World Series. Good for ball, bad for ball? Bad for ball. Um, I love Dusty. I'm 
glad he's getting another shot. But but what the Astros did a few years back really hurt the game. Um, I don't. I don't. People make light of it, but uh, that's brutal. And I don't think the Astros are ever going to be beloved anywhere other than Houston for the rest of time. You know, I and before that happened, they were a likable team, right? I mean. Altuve, they had a website. How many Altuves? Like, okay, to get from San Francisco to Stockton, how many Altuves, right? Yeah. Take his height. And I mean, they were a fun team. They were young. Correa was a stud. They were up and coming. And like I said, they were a likable team. And then this happened. And I have no doubt that a lot of them are guilty of it. And I just, I don't think they will ever be respected again, no matter how good they are. And that's bad for ball in the World Series because. Look, the whole country, as far as I know, wants Atlanta to win that series. They do not want the Astros to win it. And that stinks, man. That's your that's your marquee event. And you've got this cloud that formed, what was it, three, four seasons ago? Yeah. Um, and it's still there, and I don't think it's ever going to go away. Analytics, good for ball or bad for ball? No, it stumped you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really torn on this. It's got its place. Um, I don't think it should be the be-all, end-all. I don't think it's what should govern every decision. Um, and the reason I'm torn is because, look, we have access to that information, and you're trying to win ball games. That's your job. If this information will help you excel at your job, then – then it's good for ball. But with analytics have come so many terms that I detest. Launch angle. Um, <laughs> they're telling us how fast the, you know, the ball came off the bat. Um, what are some other of the shitty cliches that this has spawned, you know? Something awesome. you know, these. Oh, Bob um, I'm a good, I'm a big Bob Bip guy. Batting yeah, out the balls like, in play. Oh. And, and like I said, there's a place for that. And I'm not hating on anybody that, you know, is into that. But one of the reasons I like Dusty so much is because I know Dusty appreciates analytics, but he's not governed by them. Right. We'll use them when he sees fit, but he's an old school baseball guy. And when he has a gut feeling, he's going to follow his gut. I just think there's too many managers that are managing by the book. And, you know, letting the stats dictate everything. And by the way, I absolutely hate the shift. I think the shift should be outlawed. Really? Basketball. How about you guys? I don't know. It's strategy. What do you think? I go back and forth on it. But but really, I, I think ultimately, I think the game would be better off without the shift. I, I, mm-hmm. At first, I was all about it because it's all strategy and whatnot. But really, it's just, I don't know. I really go back on forth of that also because it's at the same time it's like, hey hitters, how about you just learn to hit the opposite field and hit a hit away from it? But drag button, time, get a single, right? Drag yeah. it down the third base line. Yeah, what at the same time I'm I'm also thinking like, well, why don't you just limit where these guys can go? Like, yeah, they can move maybe 
10 feet this way. I don't know what they can do to ban it, but I, I, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on the shift. Yeah, you're right. It, that would be a very difficult thing to police. Like, you can't move this far. Yeah, right. Like, we're going to end up with, a, it'd be like a football game on Fox with imaginary lines, you know, yeah, post and all that. But yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. I mean, part of me, when it first started happening, I remember they did it to Jason, to Giambi quite a bit. He was the first, one of the first guys to really get shifted on. Yeah. Um, and he hated it. You know, he called it bootleg baseball, and that always stuck in my mind. Um, but after they were doing it for a couple of weeks, I said to him, why don't you just drop down and drag? Nobody's going to be able to get it. Um, and he's like, I'm not paid to hit singles. I'm not paid to buy. I'm paid to hit the ball out of the park, paid to hit the ball into the gaps. This makes it harder for me to do that. And he said, which makes it less fun for the fans. And that's kind of like – when somebody lays, okay, say Brandon Belt at the plate and they do the shift and the second baseman is in shallow right field and Belt just smokes a ball. Great long, what is it? Is it launch speed? What is it? Launch angle or exit velocity? Exit velocity. Yeah. Great exit velocity, right? Oh, yeah. Um, the kind <laughs> of knock that just you know makes you feel good. Yeah. Maybe it's only a single, but man, you crushed that ball. Mm. Second baseman's there and just can a corn and caught it. Yeah. And you saw Brandon Belt. I mean, he never really has the greatest body language anyway, but it was so deflating to him. And I thought, that's going to be in his head the next time up, you know? And it's not real baseball. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I just, I, I don't like it. But again, they have information that says this is going to help us win. And it's a billion-dollar business. So yeah. they're doing what's going to help them win. I get it. I just don't like it. Uh, okay. I want you to answer this because you're the only guy that, in my opinion, everyone tries to copy a Bruce Bo Bochy impression, but I think you by far had the best one. I want you to answer this in your best Bruce Bochy voice. Good for ball or bad for ball, Bruce Bochy managing again, once again in the major leagues. Now remember, it's Bruce Slingblade, not Bruce. <laughs> it's right. I throw a little bit of Billy Bob Thornton in there, Slingblade. Mm, French fried potatoes. Exactly, but but yeah, my, uh, Boach would say, mm, "Retiring doesn't suit me real well. We all know it. I got to get me back in that dugout." Bob Melvin took the job I wanted. I started in San Diego. Wanted to be in San Diego. So maybe I'll just have him killed. Mm. <laughs> that's pretty good, How's man. That? Oh, that's get, great. That's get, pretty good. Can I get a Gruden, Stephen, after he gets – Oh, I've retired it. I've, reti I've retired it, Herbs. I'm no longer doing that impression. That guy doesn't deserve an impression. Do you want Dude. to get canceled, Herbs? I thought my Bochi was retired, and I just pulled it out of mothballs for you. Yeah, but Bochi isn't accused of the shit that Gruden's been doing. Yeah, man, that's that's a bad one. All right, real real quick here to end. Yeah, to last, good for ball, bad for ball, and this is you know obvious answer here, but good for ball, bad for ball. The A's staying in Oakland. Great for ball, of course. But tell us why. I mean, Oakland deserves that, man. Oakland sports fans, it's been a rough several years for them, man. 
they were the best fans in the NBA and their NBA team left, you know, yep. once they got good. Um, the Raiders, for whatever reason, people have liked the Raiders for a long time. I don't quite get that, but they leave. If the A's left too, I mean, yeah, I think that'd just be, that'd be horrible. I think Oakland sports fans are among the best fans in the country. And that's why I'd really like to see the A's win a World Series sometime soon because those fans deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. Herbs, thank you so much, man. We will definitely have you on again because there's so much more I want to talk to you about, but you had to ramble on with your Sean Estes answers. So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. Uh, but thanks again, man, for stopping by. We'll definitely have you on again, and we'll talk more about you know our inside the bigs back in the day and all the stuff we couldn't get to today. Yeah, hey, thanks, you guys, for having me. Um, you guys work really well together. I, I, I appreciate just getting asked, man. You guys both, I go way back with you. I have a ton of respect for you and the, the paths that you have taken, um, the way you have ascended up the ladder. Uh, I'm proud of both of you guys. I'm proud to call you colleagues and friends. Thanks for having me. We're proud of you, too, Herbs, man. Love you. Thanks, right, bro. Love you too, man. Take care. All right, man, you too. Wow. That oh, man, great. that was awesome. That was great, except my computer kept on crapping out. Yeah, what, what was the deal there? I don't know, and I'm, and it was really bugging me because it just randomly turned off, and I actually thought my computer was uh, was dead. Like I thought it was, it ceased to exist. That's why I went on my phone, and then I went, oh, yeah, yeah. I know you're you going like GoPro there for a second. Yeah, like close in your face, Facetime me. Didn't like. Yeah, it. it was gross. Sorry. All right, Stephen, should we end this with our football picks? As usual, I'm never going right. to hot toss again. This was just F. Well, I'm, I'm going to if I lose, I guess. All right. Oh, no, wait, hold on. You you get one mulligan with the, the hot sauce thing. Go From here on out, you got to do the wings. If I'm eating one wing again, I'm not doing it. Okay, so you got to lose by two or three to go to Wingstop again? I'm sorry, but was my – yes, exactly. But also, wasn't my reaction to this a lot better – than my reaction to hot wings. You got, you got a point there. So like, how, how do I get that sauce? Go online. What? <laughs> I mean, I've been, what Go to the, go to online there to heatness.com and check out. Yeah, you're, 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 you're plugging everything today. You're, you're dirty dip and your hot sauce. Make sure you go to dirty dip.com. Dirty. Dip also got account. a radio show from five to six every day. Hey, five to six <laughs> in the morning. I got to get viewers when I can. All right. You can only do it so much through social media. All right, Steven, let's do these picks, and hopefully we do as good as Elena did last week with us. All right, Ooh. here we go. Who will come out on top, and who will spend the next day on the pod? It's time for Wins or Wayne's. Thursday night. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. We didn't talk about this, man. Mike White, Ned Schneebly beat <laughs> Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, and he gets another crack at it this Thursday against the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz. Who you got, Steven? Colts. Yeah, I take the Colts as well. You don't believe Mike, Mike White? White? Was, Mike White was fantastic, but if the Bengals didn't, uh, if they didn't get that stupid, unnecessary roughness, roughness penalty called on That's them, true. Then maybe that would have been a different outcome. The head-to-head call at the end there? Stupid, man. Why are you calling it in that spot? Yeah, I know. It, it was a bad call. But props to Mike White. Great quarterback and uh, also great the wide great... receiver, too. What? Great wide receiver. Great wide receiver too. Who was who was a Mike White that was a wide receiver? Him. He caught oh, one in the end right. though. I thought you were making a good reference like I was with Ned Schneebly. Yes, you're right. Uh, on the uh the the Philly special. The Jets yeah. special. 
Yours is a little more niche than mine. Not a lot of people know that Mike White was Ned Schneebly. How many? How many reactions? Ned Schneebly. How many did you, reactions did you get on Twitter to that? Nothing. Any likes? Just just one. But I don't care. Yeah, as, that shows as how long, many people. That shows how many people got your joke. I don't give a shit. As long as I laugh, that's all I care about. <laughs> I believe it's pronounced Schneebly. Schneebly. All right. The Falcons. They are. Surprisingly, not bad. They're well, eh, they're below 500, but they're uh, they're in there. I thought they'd be worse than what they are right now. Mm. But they're playing against the New Orleans Saints, who has lost Jameis Winston for the season. Uh, they're probably going to roll with Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon. What do you got in this game, Stephen? Falcons Saints. I got the Falcons, but it Ooh. looks like it looks like the Saints here are favored by six, which is crazy to me. I think the Falcons are going to cover that one and win the game. And win the game. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're going to win outright. But, yeah, six point. I, six point I like the Saints defense a lot. And they're good. They're very they, good. They know how to play with Taysom Hill at quarterback. So yeah. I'm going to take the Saints. I'm surprised they didn't make a move for a QB today. But uh, you, know, you know what my, my trade proposal would have been? And this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But I, I would have said to Sean Watson, if you knew everything, what was going to happen with him this season, if he's not going to be suspended and whatnot, you just had to play with him the rest of the season. Fan reaction, be what it be. Trade him to the Saints and trade Michael Thomas to the Texans. For a first-round pick in Michael Thomas. That is wacko. That is wacko. One of the brothers from the Animaniacs? I, I, I've, I've never watched the Animaniacs. Uh, we'll save that for another day so I can chastise you for that. All right, all here right. we go. I'm taking the Saints, though. Uh, Patriots at the Panthers. We all know how Sam Darnold plays against the Patriots. But does it matter? It does. Going with the Patriots. Yes, it does, Stephen, because I'm taking the Patriots as well. Bills at the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Bills. Bills as well. Jaguars are fa- or Jaguars are 14 and a half point underdogs right now. You taking that uh you think they can cover that? You think they can lose by two touchdowns only, or will they lose by more than that? They probably will lose by more than that. Oof. Brutal. Browns at the Bengals. Which team gets the better pick-me-up after a rough outing last week? Uh, I think the Bengals do. Bengals at home, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, I'm taking the Bengals there. The Browns? I'm taking because they have more talent, and I do like the Bengals, but I think this is where they kind of have a slide down back to reality. I'm taking the Browns. There's a chance of that for sure, and they got both their uh, both their players back. And the reason the Browns really lost last week was because that Steelers defense has proven when they're healthy that they're actually really good still. So, uh, yeah, very, I, you know, what? I, maybe I was jumped the gun on taking the Bengals, but Hey, that's who I took. And I think the Bengals can win this one. And yeah. We'll see when, uh, Kareem hunt gets back, but, uh, yeah, I'm taking the Browns. Johnson has just done just fine though. In his place. I mean, good Lord, that running back platoon that they have there with Chubb and, and, and hunt and Johnson. That's a good running back core, man. Dare I say he's playing de earnestly? Anyway. The earnest goes to jail. <laughs> the earnest goes to the end zone. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Vikings at the Ravens. Uh the Vikings lost to Cooper Rush. I know I can't believe that. I'm gonna have to go with the Ravens, though. The Ravens had a pie this week, didn't they? I didn't feel like they didn't did. feel like they played. Yeah, they did. Go with the Ravens. Taking the Ravens as well. We thought this was going to be uh, Deshaun Watson's debut against his old team with his new team against the Dolphins. But, of course, that didn't happen today. Texans at the Dolphins. 
Two teams that have lost seven in a row. Who you got, Stephen? Oh, this is a stinker. You're going to watch this one, aren't you? You're going to watch this one from start to finish. Oh, yeah, it's football. I'll take the Dolphins. <laughs> I'm taking the Dolphins as well. The Raiders go to New York to play the Giants. And the Raiders are coming off a bye. Probably will not have Henry Ruggs with them. But uh, who you taking this game, Stephen? I'm going to take the Raiders. The Giants are just that bad of a team, but my gosh. Yeah, are they? they? They held in there against the Chiefs last night. I think the Chiefs, I think that's more of an indictment on the Chiefs. You're probably right. You see the way the Giants handled that fourth quarter, the yeah. two-minute warning, letting the clock go all the way down. Like, what are you doing, Joe Judge? Apparently, it's a problem with the headsets, whatever. <laughs> you buy that, by the way? When head coaches yeah, playing the headsets? Because I do. I, mean, I do, but also it's no excuse for... Uh, you know, you don't need a headset to call a timeout in what seems like a moment where, hey, the clock is ticking down and they still have the ball. Maybe you should call it. Yeah. Not a lot of great coaching going on from that team right now. But, uh, yeah, I say the Raiders, you know, I, I think it's going to be a close game because I think the Giants defense is playing a lot better th- lately. But uh, I take the Raiders to win. Okay. Uh, what else we got? Okay, this is one of the bigger games. Eh, kind of the bigger games, but it's a early game. Last of the, the early games. Broncos at the Cowboys. First game without Von Miller. Oh, Cowboys all the way. Yeah, and Dak should be coming back. I'm taking the Cowboys as well. Uh, we go to the late games now. Chargers at the Eagles. Oh, I'm taking the Chargers, even though they've looks like they've, I don't know, taken a, maybe had a regression to the mean, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert threw that bad pick six against the Patriots last week, and they lost. But he still, despite how bad Joe, uh, how bad Justin Herbert could look sometimes throwing pick sixes and interceptions, he looks just as damn good, even losing in that game. I know the Chargers are going through a rough time right now. They lost two in a row to two good teams. You can say the Ravens and Patriots are good teams, better teams. Um, but I think they, I get the, I think they get things going this week. I'm taking the chargers to beat the Eagles. Yeah, me too. And then we got the 49ers at home against the Arizona Cardinals against the best quarterback in the Niners history. Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not against, but playing. Well, yeah. Cardinals against <laughs> the 49ers. Screw that joke up right there. Jimmy Garoppolo getting the start against potentially Kyler Murray, but I think he's going to play who you got, Steven. I'm going to go with the 49ers because I just don't buy that Kyler Murray's going to play. I think he's going to be out. So I think you think so. Yeah. So if if we're going to make our picks now, before we know who the quarterbacks are, I'll take the uh, I'll take the 49ers with this one. Not only do I think Kyler Murray will play, I think he's going to play and lose. I think the 49ers beat the Arizona Cardinals straight up. Interesting. They held them in check last time offensively a little bit. 17 to 10. It was a close game. But I think that. The Niners have a good week, and they go to 4-4, four and four, and we have a whole hell of a lot of controversy with Jimmy Garoppolo playing lights out for the 49ers, and the fans don't know what to do. Good Lord. <laughs> Packers at the Chiefs. The first time Aaron Rodgers has ever played Patrick Mahomes. We thought this was going to be a huge marquee game when the season started. It still is. But the Chiefs are not the same team anymore. Who you got on this, Steven? Uh, 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 Packers. I'll go with the Packers. I'll take the Packers. 
Well, if you look at a calendar, you'll see that the Packers have been off since last Thursday, and the Chiefs just played a game on Monday. I'm taking the Packers. Okay. We call that a long and short week, Stephen. I know you're opposed uh, to those things. It's actually a short week, though, or long week, rather than just a one-day Here we difference. go. Next one. Titans at the Rams. The Titans will be without Derrick Henry, but they are getting Adrian Peterson. Wow. And... The Rams are getting Von Miller even more wow. Who's the more wow team, Stephen? The Los Angeles Wows. I'll take the <laughs> I'll take the I'll take the Rams. Wow. Yeah, I'm taking the Rams as well. And then on Monday night, we got the Bears at the Steelers. Mm, I'll take the Steelers. Taking the Steelers as well. So you and I'll I take the under on that game. The over under is yeah. at 40. I'm taking the under on that one. Good that boy. might be a Manning Cass game. Oh, you yeah. know what? No, they got a bye week. They got a bye week. Didn't watch yeah. it last night. Wanted to watch the game for once. It was good. It was good. Manicast? Josh Allen. Josh Allen was really boring, but uh, John Stewart was great because he's a fan and he was actually analyzing the game as opposed to like doing an interview, which was yeah, cool. He was like legitimately trying to watch it. I forgot. And then they had Michael Strahan in the second quarter, which was good, but that was more between like Eli and and Strahan. Then Josh Allen was the same way. It was more between him and Eli. And then you had Michael Irvin on there at the end, not Michael Irvin, but Michael Irvin (laughs) in in the fourth quarter. And when they were showing uh, replays of Irvin at the U, uh, he was, they were showing him in a three point stance in the slot. Super weird. Oh yeah. And and, uh, Irvin was just laughing the entire time. It, 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 he has one of those really infectious laughs that when he laughs, you laugh and uh, he loves to laugh. Yeah. (laughs) It was, uh, it was hilarious last night. (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't feel like watching the Manning cast last night. And by the way, did some research, not to prove you wrong, Steven, but the Manning cast does not do as well as the actual broadcast. Interesting. Only gets a little bit of the portion of what the actual broadcast gets. I don't so buy it. America loves Steve Levy, whether you want to agree with that or not. I mean, you're the one that craps on him anytime we talk about it. Can't stand him, honestly. Can't stand him. <laughs> All right, Stephen. We've been on this podcast for a long time now, probably our longest episode yet. I say we end things. What? A, how about you? Well, yeah. I remember, you remember the last one we had? I was like, hey, let's end it a little earlier than the last one. And you're like, yeah, we'll do that, Steven. And then we just don't. I don't talk like that. Don't, don't give me that impression. Jesus. <laughs> All right, Steven. We'll try to make this shorter next week. Thanks to everybody for watching. And thanks again to our special guest who is still watching us, Michael Urban. Thanks again, man. We'll have you on uh, some other times. So we can dive more into old times with us and talk about more fun times. But, uh, Steven, say what you always say, my friend. That's just our opinion, man. Not a question. <laughs> <laughs>